Okay, finally, after a few weeks of delays and the holidays and everything else going on in the real life of your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Derek M. Cook, we finally have episode 401 of Monster Kid Radio available for you. Monster Kid Radio is the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. And last month, we celebrated the films of Dan Curtis. We called it Dan Sember. Well, with the aforementioned holidays and delays, Dan Sember has bled over into this month. So, welcome to the one and only week of January, where we're going to talk about Dan Curtis's, I'm going to say it's probably his most famous creation, the thing that he is probably most well known for, at least as far as us monster kids are concerned, and that is Dark Shadows. Now, this is going to be a slightly different kind of episode than I normally run, and I'll get to that here in a second, but first I want to tell you about the music that we're playing right now. I love my surf music. I'm going to let you in on a, a little secret here, though. A lot of the surf music that I play here on the show, I didn't know before I went out looking for music to play on the show. I use websites like Bandcamp to go look for new surf bands, uh, instrumental surf bands, bands that I didn't know about or have never heard of, that sort of thing. And if the surf band has a monster twist to it or a horror twist to it, well, then I'm definitely all in. Like, my name is Cody Rhodes. However, there is one surf band that I love, and I listened to these guys long before launching Monster Kid Radio, and when they gave me the okay to play their music here on the show, man, that made my day. So what you're hearing right now is the song Taco Truck. It is from the band Satan's Pilgrims. They are a surf band based out of Portland, Oregon. They're local. Despite the fact that they're local, though, I've never seen them live. Well, I need to correct that, but I love these guys. This band is just solid through and through. They've been around for a long time. Taco Truck is a single that they released around September or so of last year. You can find out more about them by going directly to their website. It's satans-pilgrims.com or go to satanspilgrims.bandcamp.com to check out their entire back catalog. You can pick up the single that Taco Truck is on for two bucks. Well worth it if you ask me. Anyway, big thanks to Satan's Pilgrims for letting me play their music here on the show. You'll hear Taco Truck in its entirety at the end of this episode. Okay, so this episode is mostly Dark Shadows discussion. We of course have Kenny calling in his famous Monsters of Filmland segment talking about Dark Shadows and how it was represented in the magazine, and he even shares a little bit of his thoughts on the phenomenon, the show, uh, Dark Shadows. And then I have a handful of recordings with some people that you've heard here on the show in the past. If you've read the show notes, well, then you know who it is. Otherwise, just stay tuned because you're going to hear them all here in a second. Oh, hey, and before I forget, check out the cover art of this episode. That's an original drawing, and it was created by listener of the show, friend of the show, Scott Rory. Check out his work at Scott Rory Art and Illustration on Facebook. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. He gave us the okay to use that image of Jonathan Frid as Barnabas for the cover art of this episode, and it's perfect. Thanks, Scott. Also, you guys and gals know that I try to keep things pretty positive here on the show. You know, even a movie that most people consider quote-unquote bad, I try to find something to highlight, to enjoy about the movie. Well, speaking of the Tim Burton film, it's a pretty polarizing film, and it doesn't necessarily get the praise that, uh, I don't know, just keep in mind that we're, I don't want to spoil it, but we're probably not going to be too kind to the film. Not that I've seen it, but some of the people that I have on the show have. Something I want to mention. 
I did not record all these Dark Shadows conversations consecutively or in a row or even the same day or even the same week. So you probably are going to hear me talk about the Tim Burton Dark Shadows films score by Danny Elfman more than once because it comes up a lot in pretty much every conversation I have with somebody about Dark Shadows. It just does. So I apologize. You are going to hear a lot of that. Another thing to mention about some of these conversations, they were all planned to come out at the end of December last year. So I know at least once I referenced the fact that it's still Dan December and the episode's going to be coming out towards the end of the month. So there's that. And some of the conversations were a little bit more structured than others. When I first started doing this, it was just kind of like, hey, let's do it real quick. So when you have somebody like, and here's a spoiler, Joshua Kennedy coming on the show with me, he and I are acting like a couple of giggling schoolgirls talking about Dark Shadows. It wasn't a very structured conversation, but it's still a heck of a lot of fun. So I'm going to include that here as well. One of the things that's going to set this episode apart from some of the other episodes that we've done in the past is there's not going to be a lot of trailers or commercials or promos thrown in. I'll, I'll put one or two in, but not nearly as many. I'll space out the conversations that I had with different people about Dark Shadows with the Monster Kid Radio bumper, which actually sounds a little bit something like this. Hi, this is Jeff Owens from the Classic Horrors Club. And I'm Richard Chamberlain from kccinephile.com and monstermoviekid.wordpress.com. We'd like to invite you to attend the next monthly meeting of the Classic Horrors Club on the Phantom Podcast Network. We think you'll enjoy our show, but don't take our word for it. Let's ask some of our listeners what they think. Excuse me, sir. What did you say after listening to the Classic Horrors Club podcast? I'll never smile again. Wow, that's a little mean. How about you, sir? Would you recommend the Classic Horrors Club podcast? It would be very dangerous, not only for you, but for others. Well, we do talk about classic horror, from silent screen to Halloween and everything scary in between, but I don't think I'd call it dangerous. I think that's enough from our listeners. I've always said we have the, uh, best fans. Why don't you give us a try yourselves? We meet once a month during the Classic Horrors Club podcast on the Phantom Podcast Network, found at downrightcreepy.com or at classichorrors.club. Oh, wait, here's one more listener walking his pet. What do you think of the Classic Horrors Club podcast? There's the stink of hell on this train. Even the dog knows it. On stage, in person, that crazy mixed-up Dr. Evil and his terrors of the unknown. Monsters grab girls right out of the audience. Snakes from the theater. Anything can happen, and it usually does. If you're a sissy, stay at home. We can't advertise what happens when the lights go out, but wow. You'll have nightmares for a week. A real dead body is given away to some lucky person. Also in person, the mummy and King Kong, famous Hollywood gorilla, real and alive. Plus on the screen, two horrific motion pictures. Hello, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We are closing out December with a look at the gothic soap opera Dark Shadows. This classic program was featured in Famous Monsters 52 from October of 1968. The fang-bearing Jonathan Frid as Barnabas Collins is on the cover which also mentions articles on Dr. Cyclops and Planet of the Apes. 
Inside, we find an eight-page article about the show, which includes ten photos. The article begins with this introduction. His parents christened him Barnabas Collins. Nothing unusual about that, except it took place 175 years ago. Grown to manhood, one dark night in Barnabas' life, he became unchristened. The night he took on an unholy new kind of pseudo-life, a living death. The night he became a vampire. But Barnabas is such a human vampire that his vast television public has great sympathy for him. His gentility has endeared him to the hearts and hemoglobin of millions of mesmerized TV watchers who can't live without their daily dose of dark shadows. The article continues with the history of the show's development and then talks about the star Jonathan Frid, who had this to say about his role. When I leave the studio, I go home and work two or three hours on the script. I have no social life at all. I must get up at 6.30 or 7 and work for an hour over breakfast before going to the studio. At the studio, I work on the script all day long when I'm not rehearsing. I play Barnabas as a lonely man with a conscience, Fred continued. He's a guilt-ridden monster because of his need for blood, but he is also a sympathetic human who yearns to be a normal man. My character is unpredictable. I'll go along for a while being very quiet and tragic. Then suddenly I'll lunge as the lust for blood overwhelms me. The fantastic fan reaction to the Barnabas character is then described as well as a celebration of his first anniversary, which was April 14, 1967. For some strange, unknown reason, the article concludes with silly vampire riddles like this one. What happens when you cross a vampire with a hippopotamus? You get a hippopotamus that casts no reflection in a mirror. Dark Shadows is featured seven issues later in November of 1969 in issue 59. Barnabas again graces the cover, this time in the form of a beautiful medium-shot portrait painted by Basil Gogos. Inside, we find a seven-page article with nine photos from the show. The article was taken from an in-depth interview with Jonathan Frid about his acting career. In this section, he compares Barnabas to the Bela Lugosi portrayal of Dracula. I play Barnabas as a being with human emotions. I'm not copying Lugosi because, in fact, I didn't know much about his characterization of the vampire until I caught the Dracula movie on the late movie recently. I'll admit I was fascinated by Lugosi. His performance was like a ballet, yet his vampire was a bloodless, evil, passionless monster. With the white face and full red lips, he gave the appearance of death. I never took that tack. The Dark Shadows writers gave full life to Barnabas. He was a human being, more like Mr. Hyde with a lust for blood. Lugosi played his character in a monotone, no range, no warmth, just a cold-blooded vampire which actually is more legitimate in keeping with the legends. I suppose women see Barnabas as a romantic figure because I portray him as a lonely, tormented man who bites girls in the neck, but only when my uncontrollable need for blood drives me to it, and I always feel remorseful about it later. He has a nasty problem. He craves blood. Afterwards, like an alcoholic or addict, he is ashamed but simply cannot control himself. Remember, too, Lugosi's Dracula wasn't particular about where the blood came from. Renfield was a male among his early victims. Barnabas is partial to women, which makes him again a more romantic character. The article finishes with a closer look at Fred's influences and career. This Dark Shadows article shares FM 59 with looks at the classic Hammer films Dracula Has Risen from the Grave and Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed. In interviews with John Carradine 
and Carol Borland. I want to sneak in my own Dark Shadows memories here. I was four to five years old when my mother watched Dark Shadows faithfully along with General Hospital and Another World. I vaguely remember seeing bits and pieces. One vivid memory I do have was of the storyline that involved a disembodied hand. It apparently frightened me greatly, so much that I think I was not allowed to watch anymore. My older brother took advantage of that and cut the hand off of my Raggedy Andy doll and tried to set up a Rube Goldberg device that would have the hand float down on me on a wire when I opened the door to our room. It didn't work, but I was quite upset about my doll being cut up. I have not returned to Dark Shadows. I struggle with the production values, but I hope to catch a few to see if I can get into the Dark Shadows spirit. Dark Shadows fans that know so much more about the show than I do. They've done multiple episodes on their podcast about Dark Shadows, and Jeff Owens is one of those guys. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Good to talk to you. Good to be on again. I would love to talk to you about Dark Shadows, and, and I'm going to try to keep it short because there's so much more to talk about in the Dark Shadows episode, but I know you're a fan when did you first discover Dark Shadows? You know, I was a kid. I was one of those kids you read about that literally ran home after school to watch it. I, I was thinking about this because I knew we'd talk about it, and I don't really know how it came into my consciousness. I just suddenly was, like I say, literally running home. I remember two aspects of the show, uh, and we had moved at the time, so I associate them with two different houses. But one was I had a babysitter at home. I came home, was in grade school. We were watching Dark Shadows, and the werewolf came on, oh. and that scared me at my age. And I remember <laughs> distinctly running, you know, around into the other room and kind of peeking around the corner. But it, you know, it scared me, and I, I don't know what it says about a kid that you know thrives on being scared. But I, you know, that didn't deter me. I loved it. <laughs> and the second one I remember again, grade school, but a different school. Coming home, and it was later in the series with the. A secret room upstairs and the the big carousel and the kids, you know, looking in the door. I don't remember specifically if it was parallel time or just a appearance into the future or the past, but that was very compelling to me as well. And I always wanted to see what was going to happen next, you know, what was in that room, mm -hmm. what was going to happen to the kids. Do you have a favorite storyline from the show? Probably just the, the main Barnabas storyline. Uh, that's probably the most common that most everyone knows. It's been a, a long time since I've watched some of the later storylines. Uh, I did finally watch the pre-Barnabas episodes, which I like a lot. You know, everyone kind of starts with where Barnabas comes, but I really like those earlier episodes. Yeah, I think just the, the main Barnabas coming storyline. So you hadn't watched the earlier stuff until further along? Yeah, recently in the last couple of years. Oh, I mean, wow. I was... Just started with Barnabas. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a, a lot of material to, to cover. And people like Steve Turk that did it in less than a year, I'm just amazed how they did that. I've started many, many times like, OK, I'll watch one a day. And one year I even started to I was going to mirror the dates that they actually aired and go through it in real time. And oh, wow. Just that that's too much to be able to commit, you know, every day to do that. Uh, and you said, you know, mean knowing about Dark Shadows, it's there's a lot to know and memory gets fuzzy on some things. But you know, just in general, Dark Shadows is just something 
I love. And I love the soap opera aspect of it, the continuing story, the connections. I love the different actors playing different roles. It was sort of a repertory company and the just the charm of it. And as a kid being scared by it, but growing up and maybe getting more humor out of it, but it's just firmly ingrained in me. Yeah, I, I love it. I always have, always will. Watching it in real time. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, it would be amazing. It gives me an idea for a podcast. Um, <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> that would be awesome, though, just to kind of follow along. And, and I'd be able to put my theory to the test that I, I have this idea that anytime you're watching the show, and I've been watching it in big chunks, so I get a whole bunch all at once. Every once in a while, there's an episode that tends to replay the previous like three or four minutes of the last episode as we get into Mm -hmm. it and my theory is is that those are the episodes that always aired on monday Ah, right (laughs) so that they had to remind people of what happened over the weekend i don't know if that's true or not but that's my theory so i'll leave it at that yeah i've thought about that before and i bet that's true the problem is the there were probably preemptions and I know events, real events happen and news stories would push them back a day or a holiday. And so that would kind of get off. But I think that would be a standard soap opera thing, you know, a cliffhanger on Friday and then a review on Monday. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to take those. Re- There's a lot of repetition in soap operas just for the reasons we're talking about. And I've always wanted to kind of edit those out and smoosh it all together into just, you know, one flowing story i think that would be cool to do haven't there been either edits officially released or or like fan edits like that uh maybe i don't know i I thought i remember you and rich talking about it where somebody took a bunch of the storyline or like one storyline well i had actually done that myself at one time okay i took uh and in terms of comparing i took let's say the arrival of barnabas collins in the original series in the movie and in the uh, 90s remake with Ben Cross. And I sort of took the similar scenes mm. and put together a YouTube video comparing okay. those because I thought that was interesting. But that was a, a passing thing. I've never taken that as far as I think it'd be fun to do. Uh, what did you think of the 90s? Now, I haven't watched the 90s show. so I haven't watched it in a long time. I remember uh, watching it, liking it, you know, being very disappointed that it was canceled. I, I really have not revisited it recently at all. Uh, and would like to. I do remember it's very, when you, you probably will talk about it this month, Dan Curtis uses a lot of the same techniques, uh, music for sure, you know, filmmaking scenes. And there are scenes that are filmed the same way you can sort of track through each of the incarnations. And the first, I'd say our pilot episode probably of the Dark Shadows is very, very similar to House of Dark Shadows, you know, shot by shot almost. And I find that kind of thing interesting. Barbara Steele's in it, of course, so got her going for it. I do keep meaning to check it out. And I know Dominique, who's been on the show, and I probably already mentioned this in this episode, she loves it. And I really hope that I can get a recording with her to talk a little bit about it. Because I know Barbara Steele's in it, and I know when Barbara Steele was at the Lovecraft Film Festival, uh, not this year, but last year, she talked a lot about her being in that show and enjoying it. So I, I'd like to go and talk to her just to see. And, you know, eventually I'll watch the 90s remake. Now, did you watch the Tim Burton film? I did. Okay. Is that a sore spot? Or <laughs> No, not really. I appreciate it for what it is. I don't like where it went late in the movie, but I actually love the first part of it. The They sort of recreate Barnabas's origin and Josette going off the Widow's Hill and everything. I thought that was, I loved that, the way it was filmed and done. But 
I don't know. I'll take it in any incarnation we get. It, it's certainly not my favorite, but I don't despise it like some people probably do. I, I also have not seen it, so I, I don't know. I, For people who haven't watched Dark Shadows, would you recommend they start from the beginning or start from the Barnabas episodes? I say the beginning. I mean, I'm going to assume they're going to get it and, and they're going to just love it and they're going to want more and more. So why not start at the beginning and go chronologically, take it uh, from there all the way up to... Uh, even the the Johnny Depp movie. I mean, I know that goes beyond your question, but I'd say start at the beginning. It gives you a good background of the characters, uh, even though Barnabas isn't there for about a year. Uh, it's interesting to see the evolution of someone like Willie Loomis, because he's very different mm-hmm. before Barnabas comes. So to sort of get extra impact of what happens to him, I'd say start at the beginning. Yeah, not just a different actor taking over the role, which does happen right. at the very beginning of Willie Loomis' on-screen stuff. Which goes back to something you said a second ago, that, that kind of repertory feel. And that's something other people have talked about as well, that there is this kind of theatrical feel to this that, maybe an understudy had to come in and take over for somebody else, that, that sort of thing. And I think that really works to the show's strength or place of the show's strength. I struggled a little bit when they, for example, at the very beginning had a different actor come in and take over the role of Sam Evans. But, mm-hmm. you know, once I got into it and that's, I, I just kind of loved it now. And I, I like the different take and, and that sort of thing. And it is very soap opera-y. Uh, I will admit, and I haven't admitted this on the show yet, in the 90s, I watched All My Children with my then-girlfriend, so I, I was aware of how soap operas work <laughs> when I got into yep, Dark Shadows. Yep. Uh, I can't say that I continued watching it once that girlfriend and I no longer dated, but you know, I, I know the show's got the soap opera conventions and that sort of thing, but I think that kind of adds to the charm. Oh, yeah, and to you know, apply that to a gothic setting and horror and werewolves and vampires and zombies and Frankenstein monsters, I mean, it's just... It's fantastic. The show's thick with ghosts. I mean, come on. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Dark Shadows, the TV series, just the TV series itself. And, and whether you want to talk about the original series or the revival that happened, I believe, in 91? Yeah, I believe it was 91. Yeah, and I think they tried to get it off the ground again at one point, and then that was pretty much it. Steve Turek has recently, just earlier this year, watched the entire run of Dark Shadows from the very first episode introducing Victoria Winters to the very last episode. I don't know what happens in it because I've not made it to that point yet. Steve, I'd like to hear from you your overall thoughts on Dark Shadows. Oh, Dark Shadows. I tell you, Derek, it was a fun and enjoyable four months. Um, going through those episodes, I, I watched them during the week, and I I left weekends to decompress. And not I didn't watch anything Dark Shadows on the weekends, and um, I'm lucky to have a job where I'm able to le- literally watch Dark Shadows as I was working. Okay, and it was like it was not on in the background or anything, but I really enjoyed it. That there were some storylines that were. The pacing was a little off or whatever during it, but that's like with anything that goes for multiple years. There's not gonna you're not gonna love every single aspect of the story. But I really loved Victoria Winters. Oh, that that character. I think I think when I was growing up and you would see it like in reruns or whatever, mm-hmm. she was like my crush. It was like, oh 
Really? <laughs> oh yes. So it didn't bother you the the repeated narration because I I, I got to be honest with you, I'm as of this recording I am just about to have Barnabas introduced to me proper. So Victoria's still part of the show. I know later on she leaves. My name is Victoria Winters. There are two evil men here, and the blah blah blah. I'm I'm, I'm over the narration. <laughs> well, you're seeing it at a different age than I first saw it, and then you know I got to yeah. see it compressed. Yeah, I know, I know. And I'm being picky, I suppose. You're going to miss her when she's gone. <laughs> you know, and that's, that blows my mind. Because even though I haven't made it all the way through to the end, I know that that actress ends up leaving. What, she got pregnant? And yes. they didn't uh, want to bring her back as a quote-unquote evil character. I know as the actress, she wanted to come back and maybe do something a little bit more interesting. And they didn't want to do that. So she left. And to me, I thought that was really odd when I read that. Because I thought Victoria was kind of our entry point into that world. We journeyed with her to Collinsport at the very beginning of the film or the series. And that's why they didn't want to make her character turn evil, even though she was supposed to be us. She was always supposed to be good. And yes, I understand, you know, from her point of view, you're, you're treading as a, as an actor, you're treading the same war. You know, you're basically just on a treadmill. It's the same thing. You know, not a lot of things are changing. But also, you and I both grew up reading comic books, and there are certain characters that never really change, you know, and, and, and some, some do, they have some great arcs and change, but there's some characters that stay that same, that constant level, just to, because, like Aunt May, was pretty much always the same, all the way through. <laughs> That's true. And again, I just, it blows my mind that rather than letting her stay on the show, even if she did turn dark letting her leave the show altogether was a better alternative for her. I don't, I don't claim to understand and that's fine. I am curious as to what the listeners think about Victoria Winters. I know that eventually the show really became known as Barnabas's show, but I've really enjoyed watching the pre Barnabas episodes because it's given me a chance to get accustomed to, and, and actually really enjoy a lot of these other characters that aren't vampires. Well, she ended up leaving because, like you said, due to troubles with her pregnancy. It was just later on when they asked her about coming back, that's when she wanted to do it. So it was not that like she left because they weren't letting her do more stuff with her character. Right. It was due to pregnancy. But okay. you're right, near the end of the, near the, end of the, the, the show's run, they're, they're feeling out to bring her back, I guess, because they needed the ratings boost and that kind of stuff because things are starting to go downward near the end. It, it kind of reminds me of... Um, like Batman, the 1966, where it just, certain things just hit that comet thing. Like when Barnabas arrives, it suddenly just shoots up like a comet. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's watching it. And it holds that way for a couple years. But just like everything, you got that peak, you got that valley. And it, it, it ended up not lasting, uh, you know, except for that five-year period, roughly. And I think in some ways it helped it out for us being able to do it because it had to a set amount of shows, a set amount of years. And I think for, um, in a weird way for us as fans, it, it makes it a little nicer than if it would have continued on for 20 years. Okay. Would it be talked about the same way? I don't know. It'd be interesting because you imagine uh, it'd be a little tough to write the way they were doing it for, for that many years without burning out, um, the storylines. True. Okay. So you really like Victoria Winters. Uh, any other, like just, what was the experience like for you kind of watching these characters grow and evolve and that sort of thing? It was very enjoyable. And I think a lot of people always say where to start at, whether to start with episode one or start with um, 
think it's episode 209 or 210 when Barnabas arrives. And I think it's best to always start at the beginning because it gives you that firm grounding the relationships of those prime characters, uh, Elizabeth Stoddard, um, David, Roger, Caroline, and Burke, and so on. Uh, you, have that, you have that fundamental building block right there. And then when you start to take it into the supernatural, because at the beginning, it's not really that supernatural, but as the episodes go on, it starts to build up that gothic ghost story part. And then you have the Phoenix come in, and then eventually that leads to Barnabas showing up, who originally was only supposed to be there for a story arc, but because his character was so popular, he ended up being the show, so to speak, all the way through. So Barnabas is basically the Urkel of Dark Shadows. If you want to put it that way, yeah, I've never, I've never really thought of it as the the Urkel, but but yeah, he does he, he does take the show. And um, I, I actually, I think a better way of maybe looking at it as as, as the the Fonz, Henry Winkler's character. Oh, okay, that's much better than the Urkel. Okay, <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. You know, I, you said something where the beginning you kind of get the setup and the setting, I, and I would argue that it actually is pretty darn gothic from the beginning, just with how it's kind of structured and the pacing and that sort of thing. But then you start getting, you know, the ghost stories in the background, and oh, hey, did somebody actually see a ghost, or is it just David being a kid? And then you start getting this other stuff coming in, and you know, one of my favorite characters so far <laughs> from the very beginning turns up and. You know, there's Dr. Guthrie, and boy, I love that guy. And, and what happens to him, I'm not overly fond of. But if you don't watch it from the beginning, you don't get Dr. Guthrie. And then also, because Barnabas became so popular, a lot of these characters, um, like Roger and, and so and Caroline and so on, they, they don't get used as much. And then you, you don't see them, and you're like, well, why are these people here? And Because if you just came in with Barnabas, it's just like they, they don't really make sense to you. It's like, oh, who cares about them? I only care about Barnabas, Dr. Hoffman, and all that stuff that's going in that direction. I think that really would throw people off. But, but if you started episode one, you already had that, like I said, that fundamental block and set up. And now you can start expanding the universe, which they do in, in a myriad, a multiple or myriad of different ways that, that – that borderline sometimes bonkers to brilliant. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to getting into some of these uh, alternate timelines and such just to kind of explore that some more. I am eager to see how Barnabas upsets the balance of life uh, there at Collinsport. The entire thing, not just, you know, up at the big house, but just overall in town. I know that Maggie goes through some changes once Barnabas gets involved. And I love Maggie, and I love the Maggie-Joe relationship that I'm seeing right now. I'm sure it's not going to last because it is a soap opera, but you know, I'm really enjoying that too, and that's something that people, again, are going to miss out on if you just say, well, I'm only here for the vampire. So there's some really interesting storytelling happening here with interesting characters. Yes, it's a soap opera. Yes, they're telling the least amount of story in the most amount of time just because it's a soap opera, and you only have half an hour. If with commercials, that's what, what, 22 minutes, if that? Yeah, you have 22 minutes, and then, of course, you, that, that's counting the opening credits, the end credits, and basically a little bit of stuff where they're repeating things that have happened in the episode before. So in, in a lot of these 22-minute blocks, you might be getting 10, 15 minutes of new story. Right. And I would suspect, and I and I, I need to double check, but I would suspect that when you're watching the series, binge-watching it like you did or like I am— when you get to an episode that does seem to 
back up a few minutes to re-show you what you just saw in the last episode. I'd be willing to bet that those were episodes that aired on Monday to kind of remind everybody that hap- what happened three days ago on Friday, you know, to kind of bring people up to speed. I, that's just my guess. I have the coffin edition, so I have the, the bonus features. Mm-hmm. And during one of the interviews, um, it was one of the people that was the producers. I'm trying to remember his name. I can't remember his name off the top. But he basically said that with a soap opera, the studies that they did, the average person watching it would watch two or three episodes a week. So out of those five episodes they would show, people were only watching, I think he said two out of five. So people were only watching, they were expected to watch 40%. So 60% of the stuff they were showing, people were missing. <laughs> so, sure. that's why, so that's why you had to have that constant repetition uh, it's it's not like TV nowadays where everybody's DVR in it or other stuff and 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 also there was no repeats back then so people could, had to go from their memory and so but there, it was hard for people to keep track of the continuity it, like they can make a little flub and it might get by most people not the diehard probably but it could get by most people and sometimes you would see some flubs and you know and which makes it like any movie any TV show that came at that time period. You know, it, it, to me, it adds to the charm. I know some people are like, oh, they made the mistake here. You see a boom mic there. But they were filming live, which means um, the people were doing it one take. They only really didn't do many times where they went back and redid a, a missed line or whatever at all. Most of the time, they would use for their, their various little special effects, make sure those things worked. And I actually find that charming about the series when you see David struggling with a line and Mitchell Ryan will kind of feed him a little bit to kind of help him get back up to speed. Or if somebody steps on somebody else's dialogue or you see the boom mic shadow or you hear something thump because somebody ran into a wall off screen. I actually find that kind of charming and it speaks to the low budget movie maker that I thought I was going to be someday. I just, I love that. And it's very theatrical. And I was speaking with Josh Kennedy about this at this past summer's Monster Bash. So there's a very theatrical quality Mm -hmm. Dark Shadows, it feels very stage-like and not necessarily in what people consider a negative way like the original Dracula. There's a very stage-like feeling to this that anything could happen. It it may as well just be live theater. Anything could go on. Exactly. And that's why a lot of the uh, people they bring in for smaller roles or roles that are going to be in limited amount of days, like Dr. Guffrey, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, a lot of these people worked in the theater in New York. So you're dealing with professional theater actors that are coming like between shows or whatever, and they're coming on there and doing it, you know, for a paycheck and to be on the show for to be on the show for two to twenty some odd episodes or whatever. Made it interesting that you have these professional people come in there. I mean, you, you haven't seen it yet, but Abe Vigoda is going to be showing up <laughs> in a couple of different roles. Awesome! I was like, it's fish. You know, it's so cool when you see these these people that went on to do a lot of other things, but they, they're professional actors. And you'll see some people that they're going to blow your mind. You're going to, they're going to be so great. And they're going to look them up and they're all that. That was the only thing they ever did. Maybe on video was dark shadows. Cause most of the stuff, the vast majority of the career was theater, which sadly we'll never get to see. But for that small part, we could see, wow, they were really good actors or actresses and could really perform well. It's a shame. We don't have more of that body of work. That's the one negative of live theaters. You don't have that, 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 that video footage to pass on to generations down the road mm-hmm. about how these people could really perform on stage. 
And, and, and I love live theater. Live theater is just so unique because every show you go to, you can see the same show five times in a row. Right. And there's going to be something different every time. I haven't been to a live theater show in a long time, but I mean, I was a thespian in high school. I acted, you know, I did all that. Your kids have been involved in the theater. So, I mean, it, it's a very organic thing. It's nothing like television. It's nothing like film. Josh Kennedy, between movies, will mount a stage production. Uh, earlier this year, he did a stage production of Frankenstein for crying out loud. I mean, he just does it because he loves it. it's a completely different vibe than what you get from making or being involved in or even just watching a film. And I get some of that from Dark Shadows. And man, I'm just I'm loving it. And honestly, Steve, as soon as we're done talking here, I'm going to make some lunch and turn Dark Shadows back on while I eat because I can't wait to see Willie Free Barnabas. It is very enjoyable. Part of me is not, I'm not telling you too much about what happens down the road because I know you haven't gotten there yet. And I don't want to spoil that fun for you. But I did tell you this one line earlier when you talked to me about how you, how you were so sad about Dr. Guffrey. <laughs> um, I, think it, I think it's a line that holds true is that the, using a Star Trek reference, the red shirts of the Dark Shadows universe is anybody named Doctor or Psychic. So if they're a Doctor <laughs> or Psychic, there's a very good chance they're not going to have a long time on the show. With, there's always that one exception, just like Scotty was the red shirt that made it all the way through Star Trek. Dr. Hoffman is the one doctor that'll make it all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't you say that on the uh, Classic Horrors Film Club podcast? Yes, I did. I thought you weren't going to listen to that because you were worried about spoilers. Well, okay. Here's the thing. I want to give them credit, though, because I'm not the only person doing Dark Shadow stuff this year. Jeff and Rich over there at the Classic Horrors Podcast, I'll make sure I play the promo in this episode, has, have done multiple episodes about Dark Shadow stuff uh, during their run. So check that stuff out, too, for even more Dark Shadows. I am so excited to get back to Dark Shadows, so I think I'm going to let you go here so I can do that. Have fun. Enjoy it. You're going to love the ride. The legend of Frankenstein once again brings terror and nightmare to the screen in Lady Frankenstein. Joseph Cotton is Baron Frankenstein. Here on Earth, man is God. Sarah Bay is Lady Frankenstein. I am my father's daughter. Only the monster she creates can satisfy her strange desires. Lady Frankenstein. Rated R. Dr. Tongue's I had that shot, 7129 Northeast Fremont Street, vintage goofiness from years gone by. Sci-fi and fantasy memorabilia. We specialize in things your mother threw away. And some she didn't. Dr. Tongue's Toys. I love Dark Shadows, but I've never met Dark Shadows. And what I mean by that is that Frank Schildener told me that he's actually met a number of the people involved with the show over the years. How you doing, Frank? How you doing, Derek? Matsukid Radio. It's been a while, but I'm happy to be here. Dark Shadows. Oh, one of my favorite things on the planet. When did you discover it? I discovered it actually when I was very little. They used to, in the New York area, replay uh, the episodes at very late at night. And I was a insomniac as a kid, actually way into my adulthood. And so I used to sneak down into the basement and watch anything, that, you know, just to keep me occupied. And Dark Shadows was one of it. And I understood maybe, you know, a third of what was going on, but they had vampires. So what did I care? <laughs> <laughs> vampires make everything better. So what we're saying? Well, yeah. Vampires, werewolves. I mean, it, the problem for me was the vampire kept 
wanting to kiss girls. It's like, that didn't make any sense. Why would he do that? He's a vampire. <laughs> Shows you how young I was. I was say, that, that probably changed as you got a little older, I'm oh, assuming. Oh, certainly did. Certainly did. And <laughs> somewhere, I think, in the like late 70s, early 80s, they started replaying episodes of Dark Shadows on public TV. Mm-hmm. A New Jersey Channel 50, I believe, was where I saw a lot of them. And my friends and I used to watch it, you know, very eagerly. And somewhere around there, I discovered that they had in the New Jersey and the New York area, specifically Newark, New Jersey, for a lot of them, called Dark Shadow Festivals, where they brought in the original actors. And I went to a bunch of them, and I actually got to meet them. And these were smaller conventions they're so different from the conventions of today much more intimate and for example the autograph line was literally you just got in a line and all of them were sitting there no cost no nonsense they all stand there talking sitting there and standing and talking to you and taking pictures it was really very um intimate and enjoyable so I got to meet a great many of the stars over the years, including some of the big ones from the series. Wow. It was, a, it was pretty cool, back, especially then. Um, Sounds pretty laid back and pretty chill. It was. And the people, the actors were really enjoyable people. They had a good sense of humor. And I remember a great many of them over the years since then because of it. Jonathan Fred, obviously, Barnabas was in, was in all of the ones that I saw. And he had a really good sense of humor and a really, really good uh, way about him and very, very bracing to his fans. He also uh, did these one-man plays where he would read uh, Edgar Allan Poe and kind of act it out. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It was really great. He really put a lot into it. It was a very almost um, Vincent Price kind of style. To oh, it. wow. That sounds awesome. It really was. And Louis Edmonds, who played Roger and mm-hmm. Joshua Collins and many other parts, he was there. And he actually uh, spent many years in the TV soap opera All My Children. And my uncle was the technical director of that show, so I knew a lot about him. Really? Yeah, my uncle, well, not by blood, but he's my uncle. Well, that's still cool. Oh, absolutely. Um, his name is Howie Zweig, and he did it for forever. He was the technical director for All My Children. And Louis Edmonds played a character called The Professor, who I, I remember correctly, because I really watched that show much. Uh, he was a con man pretending to be a professor. And he worked on that show for like 20 years or something like that. He was on that show a long time. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he was a really nice man. Um, and I had one of the great moments for a film fan at one of the conventions. I got to meet Joan Bennett. Oh, Wow. It was about six to eight months before she died. She and her husband were there. She was escorted onto the stage uh, holding the arms of both Jonathan Fred and Louis Edmonds. She was a delightful lady, a great sense of humor. Um, and I spent most of it talking to her. I spent talking to her about for about two, three minutes about Ronald Coleman because her first movie was Bulldog Drummond starring Ronald Coleman. One of the greatest of all, the old style actors of all time. Yeah. Uh, and she just had great memories of him and really amazing stuff. And I hadn't seen Suspiria by that point in my life. So I couldn't even think to ask her any questions because I didn't even know it existed. You know, she was in the great uh, Italian horror movie Suspiria. 
as one of the most important characters in the story. So I, I didn't know her know about that back then. Um, wow. Yeah, that was really fun. Uh, Catherine Lee Scott, who was everybody's favorite crush, Maggie Evans, was there. She has a great sense of humor, a really nice person. She's written several books on Dark Shadows over the years. Mm-hmm. She's a really, really a genuine person. And also Lara Parker, who was everybody's other crush, Angelique, was there. And she had... She has such a great sense of humor. They always, a bunch of times they were sitting between Jonathan Frid and teasing him nonstop. Even he said it's one of their games. They used to do that to him all the time. <laughs> um, and um, Lara Parker actually had a five-minute conversation with, and it was confusing to the fans because I was in the autograph line, and she was fumbling and stumbling to get her glasses out. Mm-hmm. And she said something about it. And I said to her something about how I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. Now I have contact lenses. And we spent five minutes talking about contact lenses. And she told me a very funny story about trying to get them in and failing and crying in the middle of her doctor's office. But <laughs> it didn't work. The people around us were like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> But that's how it always was with me. I'm always talking to these people, not about their TV shows or that, but something so disconnected from why we're there. So that was really awesome. Well, that kind of humanizes the whole experience, though, right? I mean, that, that's what I was always told anytime I went to a horror convention, you know, back before I was going to them regularly. When you go up to somebody and you go to their table, don't ask them about the big famous thing they're in. Find something that they're a little bit more lesser known for and talk to them about that because they don't get to talk about those kinds of things all the time. So it kind of makes a different kind of conversation happen. So that's cool, man. I actually had that experience once in a different sense. Was it with the, it was the Jonathan Harris? Right? Jonathan Harris, yes. Yep, Jonathan you've told the story. story. And it was only because I saw the man struggling to tell different stories and he didn't want to talk about this that I knew. That's when I learned <laughs> that lesson and he kind of taught that to me. I also met Roger Smith who played uh, Jeff Clark and uh, Charles Tate, the blind painter. Uh, mm-hmm. he, used to, he used to be married to Jacqueline Smith. Uh, okay. Okay. So he was a um, he was a real nice guy. He and I talked boxing for about five minutes. If I remember <laughs> we're just talking about different boxers because I think I had a black eye from training with boxers back then. I was really not that bright. <laughs> one of the people I met only very briefly. We didn't have a conversation. Was and I think I'm getting the name right. Robert Klaus, who was the producer of Dark Shadows. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and he was a very interesting man. I might have the name wrong. I do have a, I am 52 and forget things now. He was very honest about everything he did. And like somebody was asking about a TV show called The Secret Storm, which I've never seen, but I looked it up just because I saw the name. And he was very disregarding, just said the reason it was canceled is because it was a garbage show. And he just like shot it down. I asked him a question in the big group, you know, the, the big question and answer period about why some storylines in like shows like Dark Shadows will go on forever, whereas other storylines will seem to go on for a while and all of a sudden very abruptly end. And he told me that it's, a, you know, it's a bunch of factors, the viewers, the letters they got, but it also plays into sometimes the way the actors are going. What he said was, and this was a story I actually recently confirmed with my uncle like a couple of years ago. 
they sometimes have an actor in a show in an important part that they just don't want anymore because, you know, soaps are really fast and they get mm-hmm. rid of it quick. And he tells this story about how he's working on this show and for the life of me, I can't remember which soap it was where they had a child actor and he just was not working out. Now, the rule in soaps, and I think it even covers almost always to today, is you don't kill children. Understandable, obviously. <laughs> you, know, you don't kill children on it because it's just not going to work out well. You do it sometimes, but try not to. Right. So they, they usually used to, and I think they still do, like send them to either their grandparents, and that's the end of it, or send them to a uh, private school. But something in the news had been bad about private schools. Uh, so they didn't want to do that, and the grandparents were like characters in the show, so it wouldn't work out. So what they did was the most ingenious thing I've ever heard. They sent this child to his room, and mm-hmm. he was never mentioned again. Didn't they do that on uh, Married with Children as well? They like sent a kid upstairs, and that was it? Yes, the the, the kid that was on it briefly. Yeah. They, yeah. They up, but this time they did it. It was the first time. It was like probably like 30, 40 years ago. It has to be. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, they sent this kid to his room and they never mentioned it again. The kid was never, ever brought up again. And (laughs) they even went so far as to went into that room to show it never had a kid in there or something like that. Like months later, they got the usual questions about it. But soaps are so fast moving Mm -hmm. and so continuous that people don't have time to concentrate on one kid actor. Sure. I related that story to my uncle and he said, oh, yeah, I know. I worked. I was a cameraman on that show or something. Oh. Like that. I, was like, yeah, I know. I was there for that. He's like, he confirmed and said the name of the episode and everything. So nice. It was like they, and he was an interesting guy because he had just this very workman attitude. He liked Dark Shadows, but it was just like, hey, this was my job. <laughs> that was his attitude towards it. Hmm. So it was really kind of cool. Um, knew a bunch of other actors. I never met people like uh, David Selby. I did see an interview that they did like a year or two before I started going. Where he had at that point was on a TV show called Falcon Crest, and so he was a big name. So you couldn't really get him to something as intimate as this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sayer David, who I would have wanted to meet almost as much as uh, Joan Bennett, unfortunately had passed away, and I would have asked him questions because he played Nero Wolf, the great mm-hmm. uh, detective. Uh, so, uh, you know, there were smaller actors here or there. Many were deceased um, by the time this started, unfortunately. Like uh, uh, Joe, uh, Maggie's boyfriend, he had passed away a bunch of years before that. And uh, she actually told all of us a story about how she was going to meet somebody and he happened to be on the same flight to Europe. And oh, wow. there, was, there was a brief period where people were thinking they're running away together. It was like it had nothing to do with it. They were sharing they were sharing seats next to each other to go to Europe or something like that. So yeah, it was a it was a pretty awesome period to be a Dark Shadows fan back in the eighties. And then they moved it to like New York and it got a little harder to get to for me. But I saw a bunch of episodes I never saw. And, you know, it was it was pretty awesome stuff. There were so much smaller conventions than you'd ever see these days. It was like it was really almost down to like three rooms. That's it. So you you grew up in the East Coast and they shot the show in New York. So it's not like, you know, you were too far away from Ground Zero anyway, right? No, I fetched a bunch of us one time in the 80s, drove up to the house to see the the outside of the uh, big mansion that they shot it at. uh, Oh, yeah. The outside. 
the exterior. Yeah, it's very impressive. Um, it's a popular place to go to for conventions like uh, I think Necronomicon. A bunch of people like organize periods to go off, you know, go to see it and stuff like that. Uh, oh, wow. It's a popular place to, you know, take some pictures. Uh, Night of Dark Shadows and all of that had more of the exteriors and you got to see it in daylight for the first time, probably. Yeah, the Lyndhurst Estate, which, yep. uh, yeah, very, very cool stuff. Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful estate. I mean, mm-hmm. can't imagine having to clean it, but it's, you know, that's... Yeah, that would be tough. <laughs> yeah, well, the, I, I just looked at it the first time I was with a bunch of my friends, and and I said, oh, my God, imagine having to break this grass and get all the leaves up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my friends are like, you know, you, you really are missing the point, aren't you? <laughs> well, when you first discovered the show, was it in the throes of Barnabas or was it pre-Barnabas? When I saw it originally, it was pre-Barnabas and I didn't understand a thing that was going on. But then when they brought it back on Channel 50, they jumped over all that stuff. They started with the episode where they showed the picture, uh, where they were not to mm. show the picture. They mentioned Barnabas and they show, I think they showed the picture then. And you had to kind of play catch up because you didn't know who these people were and why they were doing what they were doing. Sure. Uh, there was a great opening moment because Joan uh, Bennett and Roger says something very pompous about the weather and she just turns and her first line that you hear is her turning and saying shut up roger it was like oh i like her that's cool (laughs) and uh john carlin then used to appear in it as willie he was introduced there and i guess the implication you know they couldn't say it outright was that he was a drug addict you know, more than a drunk, they, they seemed to be, you know, the twitchiness they kept on him until Barnabas bit him and they got even twitchier for good reasons. Sure. Um, but uh, the, you had to kind of play catch up. But you got to remember the catch up wasn't so it wasn't long because the first episode that Barnabas appeared, he didn't actually appear. It, when Willie opens the coffin, a hand comes out and grabs him. That's mm-hmm. not Jonathan Frid. That was in that was like a, a director or a producer just putting a hand in there so they'd have to pay him an extra day's salary. <laughs> that's something you picked up at these conventions. It's like, oh, that's not him. And then the, it started from there where, you know, he showed up. And uh, between that, I used to read the Marilyn Ross uh, Dark Shadow novels, which mm-hmm. was like a different, like an alt world of that whole stuff. And they were, they were interesting stuff. And, um, when I was a kid, they also had Dark Shadows comics. So I had grounding in it here and there, but it was so sporadic, especially the comics, because it was a Western comic, I believe, Western publishers, and you just couldn't find them too often. You'd find them like in like a, uh, a bag with a six-pack of comics from Western, and you could get things like you know um, Solar, The Atomic Man, Dak, and... Dark Shadows and Twilight Zone or, you know, Swiss or Space Family Robinson, which had nothing really to do with Lost in Space. You know, it it, it was like you'd get them in these packs. And I read a couple of the Dark Shadows over the year. And the only things that I knew definitely were that Collinsport sounded like a cool place because there was vampires. That's all that kind of I knew. And that Barnabas Collins (laughs) could change into a bat. And it never explained to me, though, how he got his clothes uh, to appear back on him again. But that's always been a problem for me. That's the thing, though, with vampires, right? It's like, where do the clothes go? 
<laughs> yeah, but then you know we when you and I had a, a discussion on uh, Santo and the Blue Demon meet the monsters with you know Dracula and uh, the Wolfman or their versions of it. They were clean bones, and then the ceremony, and they rise out of their coffin fully clothed. It's like where those clothes come from, right? You know, it, that's been a question I've had since I was very little, and I positive i must have annoyed my father about it a hundred times <laughs> and my father was a patient man but he, I, i'm sure he just said just watch the movie right just watch the movie <laughs> <laughs> these are the things that monster kids worry about you know this, this is important <laughs> stuff man <laughs> yeah well you know uh, i had it on like about three four months ago and my wife came home and i was just watching one of these movies uh, it was obviously a lucha movie with vampires and no. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know. It's so shocking. This is the reason you have me on half the time. Because That's why that. we get along, man. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's how we met. And that scene, you know, with, with they coming out of the coffin after the bones, happened to be the one that she walked in on. And, <laughs> I, and, she, and she just looked at it and said, did they have clothes before they got it? I said, no. She said, your movies are weird and just walked away. You know, it's like she, she reacted probably the way you're supposed to react to these things. My reaction is, how did they get there? Is that come by a power or something? And she's just like, I'm <laughs> just, just why you watch this stuff and walks away. <laughs> so yeah. Course, oh, well, it's okay. I'll put it on again later. I've, I've heard that reaction before. So I'm see, we need to start a support group basically, and that's what this is, isn't it? I mean, I, we call it a podcast, but really, it's just a support group. It's a support group, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's like whenever you and I have one of these podcast discussions, my wife is usually nearby. This is you know rare time we're not having her near, and she looks at me like, "What? What? What, what are you talking about?" She's giving me these looks like, "Oh God, I, I don't know what I'm dealing with, am I?" And she's known me like 26 years, so it's like. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's hysterical the reactions I get from this stuff but yeah uh, that's my thing so to bring it back then does she watch Dark Shadows? no no I'm no. a non-fan and there's a reason for that I don't live on Earth somebody has to <laughs> <laughs> alright then yeah no she she watches I will give her a ton of credit it, it can, and this is a funny little quick story um when she she would we'd be working at the dojo because she's a martial artist herself. She she's one of my students. She has a black belt, earned it all on her own. I'm very proud of her for that. And uh, she falls asleep when I'm watching Svenguli, and I put Svenguli on after she falls asleep. Mm -hmm. Back when the show first started on uh, May TV, and she wakes up right at the end when he's playing his jokes, and they're throwing chickens at him the old running joke that's been going what 40 years with this man right and she's like what are you watching it's like that was funny but what what's going on i told her it was that and so a week later she says uh, is that chicken throwing show still on i said yeah she said well what what's the movie and it would turned out it was like a hammer horror she actually enjoyed it it was probably horror dracula or brides dracula nice and she was yeah it was a really it was a good choice when she says this and she said, you know what, I like watching this stuff with you. And we watch it, you know, when it gets into the really bad stuff, 
she'll be like, can we just change the channel? This movie's so stupid. I can't watch it. Anymore. <laughs> it's like, well, you're only a half a monster kid now, but it's, it's, it all, oh. came down, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it, it all came down. She became a kind of a monster fan. Thanks to Sven Gulli getting hit by chickens. Hey, you know, <laughs> I was perfectly thrilled with it. It was very good. I very good for me. Gave me a TV show when we're home on Saturday night. There you go. Yeah. So uh, with with the Dark Shadows, I'm assuming you've gone and you've watched everything now. You've had all the episodes, mm-hmm. you know, in you at least once. What do you think of the pre Barnabas stuff? The pre Barnabas stuff was very Jane Eyre to me, very old school gothic, mm-hmm. and it's it has moments in it. Unfortunately, the problem with a lot of it was they wanted Alexandra Mulkey to be the main focus of the story mm-hmm. and she really just couldn't hold it she just didn't have the emotional range that you needed to have somebody in the center of all of that attention whereas Catherine lee scott as maggie evans ended up eclipsing her from the very first by ha- by just having a little more uh, interesting qualities to her and because of that it, it I, I I enjoyed her scenes a lot more than I enjoyed it uh, than Mulkey Alexandra Mulkey. I keep saying Mulkey Isles because that was her name uh, after the show. Mm-hmm. Um, she was involved in a very famous murder case. We don't need to discuss. <laughs> right, that's true. That's true. Yeah, we, let's not even go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's an interesting point, though. I I didn't have a problem with her performance or the character really what bums me out is that somebody who watched it from the beginning and when i started watching it i started from episode one she and burke devlin were our entry points into what was going on in collinsport and by the time the show's over both characters are gone so the characters that we came in with that brought us to the party don't take us home and that that kind of always bothered me well there were reasons for that oh i i know behind the scenes yeah behind the scene reasons for that but it was also not just behind the scenes it was um a lot of people were just not thrilled with the character of victoria you know they just there was a lot that was kind of lacking in the way it could have been writing it could well be that but i got a different point of view recently uh, when my friend um, and um, he's a comic book historian and expert, Peter Sanderson, a mutual friend of ours was watching Dark Shadows from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it, his reactions every day were having us laughing our head off because we'd seen the show many times. And he was like, oh, she's so beautiful. Alexandra Mulkey, you know, she's just gorgeous. And I can see why she's the center. And then it maybe it was the writing, maybe it was the actress. You know that that's a, just an opinion thing here. But she, he, his view of her as the show gone on was that she wasn't holding the center nearly as interestingly as Caroline, who's an actress. I'm sad to say I've never met, but she's done some great audio books that I listen to on Dark Shadows and mm-hmm. Maggie Evans. You know, from a writer's point of view, the good girl is the hardest person to write. So maybe that's part of it right there. You know, right? It could do it could well be something along those lines. Hmm. Uh, but I, I just I, I just never locked in on her, whereas the Maggie Evans, the Angeliques, the Carolines, uh, Laura Collins, these women had a great deal more interesting stories. Like 
Um, Marie Wallace, who played Eve and Crazy Jenny and a couple of other characters. Besides the fact that when we met her, she's one of the funniest human beings you'd ever meet. Just such a great sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Her characters were always very center of attention. You really wanted to see more. When she was Eve, the bride of Frankenstein, who was made up of some evil demon woman or something like that. She was just great. When she was Crazy Jenny, pretending that the dolls are her real children, she just had so much power to her in there. Whereas uh, Terry Crawford, who was one of the nicest ladies I've ever met and a therapist, uh, she played Beth Chavez in the series. Her character came off the same very nice, plain, not as interesting to me. But that could just be personal preference. I mean, in my opinion, it was Lara Parker's character, Angelique, who stole the show every time. Okay. So, yeah, that's where it came from me. I saw the original series was very gothic. It had moments I liked. Barnabas changed the story for me, though. Okay. What are some of your favorite storylines from the show? Oh, there's a bunch of them. The first time he they went back in time to the 1700s was just such a great series of stories. And they added so many wonderful characters back then. Uh, I liked how they did the old style of acting where they just took the actors and gave them new names and costumes. And Joan Bennett became Barnabas's mother. And Louis Edmonds, who was only like who was practically the same age as Barnabas, became his father. You know, right. <laughs> I, you know it really I didn't mind that. I actually kind of liked it. And they brought in Reverend Trask, one of the great villains of all time in there, and Angelique. And, uh, you know, there was just so many great stories there. Mm -hmm. That was a really fascinating one to me. Um, the time in the present when Angelique brought the dream curse. Uh, mm, okay. it, it was a great little series of, you know, you always wanted to know, oh, what's the next one? What's the next one that sends them over the edge and uh, what's going to happen to it? That was a lot of fun. The first appearance of Quentin in the 1800s, that was probably the best in the series. That time they were really hitting all the marks. They had Everybody was playing a really fun, unique character. There was very little problems with the stories. And you got you kept having new villains showing up. You had the Nicholas Blair by whom Humbert Al Alstrado. Well, unfortunately, I, another one I never got to meet. The greatest of the Dark Shadows villains appeared back then, Count Patofi. Oh, such a good character. Played, <laughs> as, played by the great Thayer David. He was just dangerous and evil and twisted and interesting at the same time. You know, I love that storyline. Um, and I guess... Uh, after that, there was – I like moments here and there. Like the, I like the idea of the Leviathan story. I just thought it kind of really went bad directions after that. Uh, those were my favorites of all the bunch. Okay. And you said something earlier I wanted to come back to. I've, I've been asking a lot of people, what about the books? What about the audio dramas? And, and most people don't have a lot of experience with them, but it sounds like you have. Well, I've heard – Almost all of the audiobooks, and I have read all of the Dark Shadow Marilyn Ross books. So, yeah, I do have some experience there. Wow. All, yeah. all, so there's like a good 20, 30 of them, aren't there? Uh, well, there's like 50 of the, uh, of the audiobooks. 
including two full cast recording series as well. Um, The short stories, which I think they recently ended in the last couple of years from Big Finish, were very enjoyable because most of them starred the original actors. They didn't I, get, I saw that. Yeah, that, I can uh, actually. That's a good stuff. Um, most of them did not have Jonathan Frid as Barnabas. I'm not sure what was going on there. He did do some, but they brought in an actor whose name, and I kid you not, this is his name, was Andrew Collins. <laughs> yeah, really. it's like, what is going on here? And he he did a very good job as uh, Barnabas. You know, that's how he got the job, right? Well, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, I got to assume that helped. He had a good voice, played it really well. He sounded a lot like a Barnabas kind of character. They even explained why he's a little different. But they brought in uh, most of the original actors, some of whom had not done anything with Dark Shadows for a long time, like the actress who played uh, Caroline Collins. Uh, She played in a mummy story that was very, very well done. And she played at the end of a series they did. Uh, they actually did. Uh, actually, did three. I'm sorry, three full cast recording series, and she did a very good job in that. Um, good stuff there. Mm-hmm. They also brought in some actors from outside of Dark Shadows and not so quite outside. Um, Lisa Anthony, who played Angelique in the 1990 version of Dark Shadows, was played a part in it. She didn't play Angelique. She played a couple of parts in there, and she did a very good job because she's a great actress. And from Doctor Who, uh, I think his name is Matthew Wakefield. He played Adric in the Fifth Doctor series. He was in there a couple of times, and he did a great job. He's a good actor verbally, uh, his voice-wise. The short stories are usually like about an hour and a half long, and mm-hmm. they were very enjoyable stuff. David Selby, who played Quentin, did many, many of them. Lara Parker, who played Angelique, was in a lot of them. There was a particularly interesting one in which Angelique and Josette kind of put each other on trial. Josette accused Angelique of destroying her life and everything about her. So they basically got put on trial before... Diabolus, I think, is the name of the devil that they call it in the in Dark Shadows. He appeared always as a hooded man in darkness. And um, they they did this thing where basically they were telling the story of how Barnabas fell in love with both of them at the same kind of time. Uh, so it was a really well-made story there. Good actors and good writers. There's a lot of good writing there. The full cast recordings brought back John Carlin as uh, Willie, and mm-hmm. he was best known to uh, the public after Dark Shadows as being the husband in Cagney and Lacey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he was best known for that. He was uh, uh, Harvey. I think he was. it was pronounced in the, with the New York accent, Harvey. <laughs> that was his character. So he was in a lot of them. He sounded really good in them. It, those are really enjoyable. The first one sort of brought back everybody to Collinwood, and that was cool. The second one involved uh, ghosts and weird happenings. And the third one was a huge storyline involving uh, Maggie Evans kind of leading an anti-witchcraft kind of crusade, and the people behind it necessarily weren't the ones she thought were. And, And it was really good stuff there. 
As to the Marilyn Ross novels, yeah, that's because I I see those all the time when I go to uh, you know, we have a store here called Powell's City of Books. It's a Oh, nation's largest independent bookstore, tons of used novels and used books and all that. And I see that there all the time. I'd be buying them just to get them. <laughs> you know, and I always ask uh, the people that I'm with, have you ever read these? And uh, one of those is usually Dominique. And, you know, she's a huge Dark Shadows fan. And, you know, she hasn't read, um, I don't think she's read many of them, if any. Of, but, yeah, so I, I never know, should I pick those up? Well, you have to approach them with an understanding before you pick them up. Okay. First, they're written by somebody who never saw the show. Are you serious? I'm not lying. And plus, Marilyn Ross was a guy, by the way. Yeah, I, I know it was a pseudonym. I know it was, I, a- it was a pseudonym. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But uh, the stories, many of the stories, uh, it's like, is he a vampire? Isn't he a vampire? You know, there's a lot of that in there. There's a lot of uh, most of the characters that you're used to don't appear in the series. In these book series, they're very self-contained stories. Um, Barnabas has a mute servant named Hare, H-A-R-E, if I remember correctly, who guards him and doesn't otherwise appear. Occasionally, he's accused of doing something bad, you know, like the way the vampires did. And it's a very much a lot of these stories are is is it. Is he a vampire? Is he not? Some of them, they sort of say he is, but they don't do anything vampiric. There's no real continuity to the show. Okay. It's like a separate kind of universe there. You know, the woman in the book, it's always uh, really from the point of view of a female, is rarely like the there when they use the same character, the same one that you would see in the show. Like they've had, a, they have a bunch of them starring Maggie Evans, and she's really just the woman in distress kind of character. They're, they're more gothic in nature than anything else. Okay. So for listeners who are yelling at their iPod or whatever right now, saying the person's real name was this, it's a W.E.D. Ross, William Edward Daniel Ross, was yeah. the, the novelist, and uh, he used the name Marilyn Ross because Marilyn was his wife's name, his second wife's name. Marilyn uh, served as his first reader, so to honor her, he used the name Marilyn Ross when writing the Dark Shadows novels. Uh, I I don't know much about him. Uh, This is just me doing a quick scan online, trying to find some things while Frank was telling us about the books. Uh, Knowing that they're separate from the series, I wonder, hmm, maybe I'm not overly excited about reading them now. Well, you know, I, I just started recently collecting them. I have about, I don't know, seven, eight, ten of them now. And I'm collecting them just more out of a nostalgia kind of thing. But, uh, you know, they're interesting reads if you're kind of – it's got a kind of gothic feel to it, which is what he was going for. Uh, he didn't really uh, know what he was working with. He just did what, you know, he was told. Dark shadows, kind of gothic. The main character might be a vampire. It might not be kind of thing, I guess. Uh, I'm really not the expert on the setup. I can just tell you what I did when I read it. Usually involved, you know, a witch or something like that in town. And they start once Quentin became one of the big characters, came Barnabas Quentin and whatever the monster of the week was, the cur- the mummy's curse or the or the, the witch's curse or whatever that kind of deal was. Sure. That's usually what happened with those. Okay. Okay. And then there were other novels though written by like Lara Parker and all that. Now are those more in the continuity of the series? They very much are. Okay. Uh, okay. Lara Parker wrote 
very much what it is. And they're enjoyable stories. You know, it's kind of cool to have the woman who played Angelique writing novels based on the series. I would also recommend for the fans any of the Dark Shadows books by Catherine Lee Scott, who played uh, Maggie Evans. She wrote, uh, I believe, her first book on the series, and she formed her own publishing house on it, was My Dark Shadows Memories. And it had a lot of behind-the-scene pictures and stories and, you know, stuff like that. So she did a great job with that, and I think she's written three or four after that. She seems to be carrying the torch for Dark Shadows. It seems like some of the people that were involved with the series are still kind of trying to be involved or maybe a little bit more involved in the fandom and the, the media that's coming out. Uh, you were talking about some of the actors and actresses coming back for some of the big finished productions, and I'm stoked. I don't want to skip ahead, but as of this recording, the most recent big finished production, Mitchell Ryan's there doing Burke Devlin, and Burke, that's I love right. Burke, man. I right. love my Burke that's Devlin. Well, what's cracking up to me is uh, I didn't put two and two together until much later. Mitchell Ryan, to me, was the evil general in the first Lethal Weapon movie. <laughs> and it didn't occur to me that he was in Dark Shadows because, you know, I, I didn't have much acquaintance with it. And then later it's like, the general? Whoa, what's he doing there? That, you know, that kind of an attitude. It was like I didn't expect him that and he was also on that TV show Darman Greg for many years. Right. Yeah. It's uh, Jeff Owens commented on that too. That, and I did not put the two together uh, when I because I watched Darman Greg when it was on. You know, I thought it was cool. It was fun. Yeah. No, I, I just love Burke Devlin, man. He's he's my of all the villains in the show. Um, he's been kind of my favorite. Now they kind of softened him up. You know, he finally got over the whole I spent ten years in jail because of you, Roger thing. But still. I love the guy. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, backstage stuff is the reason Mitchell Ryan lost his job there. So yeah, no reason to discuss that. It's the past. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's talked about in some of the documentaries, from what I'm told, yeah. that that appear on the the discs and, and such. Do you have the coffin set? Unfortunately, not. Just don't have the cash for it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's pricey, but it's the whole run, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's why I, it's in my it's it's on my Amazon wish list, but. <laughs> yeah i just i just love me my dark shadows now did you see the tim burton film yeah i did okay my reaction as you can tell my reaction is probably pretty common wow I, I love, okay I, it's hard for me to find positive in there but i did find one later on because i did not like it i thought it was very poorly made and very badly done one thing I gave Johnny Depp a great deal of credit for, though it probably cost a fortune, was he used um, CGI to remove any eye blinks from Barnabas. Oh, really? Yeah, to sort of add to the undead feeling, because he wouldn't have to blink his eyes the way we do automatically. So if you watch it, I actually sat down and watched it again. Ugh. But I watched it again, and I actually noticed that after I'd read about it. And I thought, hey, you know, that's a very good concept. I just wasn't a fan of the movie. I thought that they kind of made a joke out of something I really enjoyed. But it is what it is. You know, it's not my show. I just watch it. I haven't watched it, and that, that's basically the uh, the vibe that I'm getting when I talk to people about that film. And uh, the 1990s TV show I actually watched when it was on, and I enjoyed that a great deal, partly because it had Lisa Anthony, and I had a major hardcore crush on her for a lot of years. 
and that's very understandable. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to the original, what, what do you prefer? Oh, no, Lara Parker was just awesome. But uh, if I, I don't know, it depends on 80s me. I probably would have gone for Lisa Anthony because I had such a major crush on her. But Lara Parker is, is Angelique to me. And she just did such a wonderful job in the part, uh, being able to play so many levels. Lisa Anthony only was in a few episodes. So she really couldn't. But I had a lot of, I had a lot of good feelings for her <laughs> over the years. <laughs> um, they, you know, they did a good job with what they had there, and fortunately, the writer's strike or something like that killed it, and that's too bad. They, I did see the pilot that they tried to do. They canceled the TV show Angel with the idea that the pilot for Dark Shadows was going to replace it, and it was just not a good replacement. So they didn't make a TV series out of it. Okay, so you're the first person to mention this. So there was a revival with like Ben Cross as Barnabas, but this pilot that you're talking about, nobody else has really mentioned that. Can, can you talk about that at all? Like what it was, you know, it was basically the same concept, the same story. It, it just, they were trying to add that. Uh, I think they were trying to go for like a nineties, you know, late nineties kind of update, nineties, uh, 2000 update, trying to be Joss Whedon without Joss Whedon. It was my opinion of it. And the actor, his name just dropped out of my head. Uh, he did a decent job for what he did, but it, it was just kind of lifeless. It just didn't have anything really to it. And I was kind of, you know, disappointed. We lost the TV show Angel that I had a very lot of enjoyment out, even when it wasn't the best episodes. It was still always a lot of fun. We lost Angel in favor of this, and that was a bad choice. So this was done, uh, what, like 2004? I saw it online. Oh, That's God. how I saw it. I That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, I saw it on TV. I, I did not see it on TV. The story that I read, and I read this from Joss Whedon's point of view, he wanted an early acceptance of the show because it was always kept to like the last minute so that he could guarantee the actors their work or that, and... Somebody basically said, well, you know, he, his Buffy is on another channel. What do we need him for? We got Dark Shadows coming. That's his point of view of it, but I have a feeling he's pretty close to the accurate. Okay. It, it just was kind of lifeless. That's the, the thing I felt about it. Well, if you got a vampire, you don't, anyway. Uh, vampires are not quite I wasn't going to go there anyway. So. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. Okay, I was. Own I was. it, man. Own it. <laughs> You're going to make the bad pun, and I, because we're, we're, con we're you know, a full continent apart, I can't punch you in the mouth. Ah, <laughs> hey, now. And now I never want to meet Frank in person, because he That's knows right. me. At, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I could talk Dark Shadows for hours with Dark Shadows fans. I love this. I love love the show i am so kind of bummed that it took me so long to get to it but there's just something about the show and the the, the story and the idea in barnabas is just amazing that just draws me to it even pre-barnabas stuff i love the phoenix storyline um you know she, a lot she's a, the woman who played her was a very nice lady i liked her a lot yeah i met yeah i met her too one only one time and she just she had a really really decency about her. I liked her and she had a really funny sense of humor about some of the parts of it. Uh, that's what I remember about her. Did you ever meet the guy who played David? Uh, no, I did not. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, I would have liked to have, I met one of the younger girls. 
I don't remember which one though off the top of my head. She was, you know, a little older than me by that point, and uh, she was a nice person. Uh, there was a, it, there might have been even two of them there, but I don't remember them too well, unfortunately. But I never met the guy who played David. I would have liked to have, you know, I've never seen a lot of them. D- David Hennessy uh, is the actor's name, and mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be real curious to hear his thoughts on all things Dark Shadows, just having been involved as a child actor. Um, Granny's a little annoying at the very beginning of the show, but you know, he's a kid actor. So <laughs> well, kid actors, are, you know, you know, my view on kid actors. So it's like <laughs> we, won't go, we won't go there too often. I would really not be the person you'd want to have writing child, child actors. Like, you know, you can drop a name in the social. Pit. Nobody will mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been fun, man. I really appreciate it. And, this is actually going to be the very last episode of 2018. So wow. we're going out with a bang with Barnabas. So thanks for being part of it, man. I really appreciate it. Sure. Uh, keep doing monster kid radio. I love listening. Uh, I of love course. Guests. Of course. And we'll get you back on. We'll get you back on. If nothing else, Lucha de Mayo. Absolutely. You know, I'm there for it. I'm always down for it. <laughs> Don't look. Shield your eyes. (laughs) For on the day you look upon them, you will surely die. House of the Gorgon. Why don't you let us alone? Get back on your train and leave us alone. Rumors circling around. Mysterious happenings at night, uh, strange noises emanating from the dark. Leave Karlstadt. Leave now and never come back. Stay away from them. They mean you great harm. Starring Caroline Monroe as the Baroness. What was the sinister secret she hid beneath her dark spectacles? Martine Beswick as her sister Uriel, malevolent and evil. You would sacrifice all that we've done merely to quench your innate desire oh, for violence. Oh, what if I did? Veronica Carlson as Anna, the one woman in the village of Karlstadt willing to stand against these angels of death. I can fight you. We can fight you! Christopher Neem as Llewellyn, a man of faith locked in mortal combat with overwhelming evil. If we leave them alone, maybe they'll leave us alone. Also starring Joshua Kennedy as the mysterious Dr. Pritchard. And introducing Georgina Dugdale, Gooey Film's latest star discovery, the Gorgon's most beautiful victim. See all of this and more when you visit the House of the Gorgon. Cast you out every unclean spirit, every satanic power in the name and by the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Coming from Gooey Films, 
an adventure like no other. From the mind of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Watson! The year is 1896, and Sherlock Holmes faces his most peculiar case yet, the mystery of the Six Napoleons. Thank you. Come, Watson. The game is afoot. Joshua Kennedy as the master detective, a new and exciting Sherlock Holmes. I dare call nothing trivial, Watson, nothing. You'll remember how the dreadful case of the Abernethy family was first brought to my attention by the depth which, which the parsley, parsley had sunk into the butter on a hot day. Yes, yes, we all know what you did. Bessie Nellis, Dr. Watson's most beautiful portrayer. It is clear that the possession of this trifling bust was worth more in the eyes of our strange criminal than that of a human life. Jonathan Danziger as Inspector Lestrade, Amy Ziliax as Mrs. Hudson, also starring a cavalcade of great talent, Jake Williams, Tracy Thomas, George Chapper, Michael Rosenfeld, Will McKinley, Mark Holmes. Yes, it's quite humorous if I do say so myself. Well, there it is. The Return of Sherlock Holmes. See it in Gooey School. There is somebody out there who loves Dark Shadows so much. And it's Dan Simber here on Monster Kid Radio. I wanted to talk to Josh Kennedy. Joshua, how are you doing, man? I am doing fantastic. How are you, sir? I'm I'm good. I'm good. So we're, we're talking about Dan Curtis. We're talking about Dan Sember. We're talking about Dark Shadows. And I know that when, when we played the Classic Five at Monster Bash and the question came up, what's your favorite classic horror or suspense television series? Dark Shadows was the answer. Yes, definitely. I know you've got a connection to the series. And I was just hoping maybe we could just wrap quickly. What does Dark Shadows mean to you, man? Oh, man. Can, can we do that in a short period of time? I, I, think, I think we can. I can try summing it up. I mean, sum up my entire life in two minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really, it's almost like comfort food. It's, it's like, you know, your grandma makes this special bowl of soup that you love. And it's just like, oh, I, lo- I love this. Every time there's an episode on, it doesn't matter what timeline we're in. It's just that, that, that cozy feeling that it could be, you know, 100 degrees outside in the middle of summer, but I'm instantly shot to the middle of autumn and I get to cozy up in a blanket and, and watch it. I mean, and, and of course, it's low budget and, you know, sometimes the acting is stodgy and they look at the, the teleprompter. The teleprompter comes into view, but that, that just makes it all, all the more that's that's part of the charm, I think. It's, it's, it's comfort food for me anyway. And I'm sure there's a mm. lot more that I mean, how do how do you feel? What, what would you what would you say? Well, I, I adore it, but I'm a latecomer to it is mm-hmm. the thing. You know, I, I've been making my way through the entire series starting with episode one, you know, Jeez. Victoria coming in. Yeah, from the very beginning. And watching it consecutively like that, binging it, has been really fascinating because I get to see the growth. You know, yes. at the very beginning you see a lot of the actor playing David's not you know, very comfortable yet. And yes. some of the, some of the adults around him are having to feed him lines or kind of react to him, but it does get better. And it still never loses that charm though. And I think something you and I talked about at bash was about the staginess that you see of it, but not in a bad way. Yes. It feels very stage like definitely. And 
I adore it for yeah. that. And I mean, the ambition of putting a vampire on a soap opera and in the <laughs> Phoenix storyline. I mean, they're burning stuff down. It's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the mic boom mic coming into shot. Like you see the shadows and I mean, like the camera's not focused. It's 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 almost like you're part of the family. It just seems like a family made not a film, but soap opera like you like the same camera operators. And you almost feel like you're part of that that family. <laughs> the, the, the audience is part of the family. It's like, okay, well, we'll, we'll forgive the, the boom mic because that happens every once. Oh, okay, we'll forgive this. Oh, he didn't remember his lines. But it, it's, it's you love him for it. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I hope other people agree with me, but that, that's that's the, my, my love for it. I agree with you. Uh, I think there's this kind of welcoming yeah. kind of vibe. It feels like a hug. I mean, it, it feels like yes. a, a huddle almost. It's, it's great. And uh, a while back on Facebook, I saw you post a picture of you wearing what you called your favorite T-shirt. <laughs> it is still my favorite T-shirt. Can you tell listeners what that is? It is a T-shirt that is a complete recreation of the one of the title cards at the end of the, the show. And it's, and Alexandra Moltke as Victoria Winters. And... I don't, I don't, it's just so, I love it because half the, I mean, 90% of the people that see it have no idea what I'm wearing, but, uh, <laughs> there is that, that one time where it's like, Hey, and you know, then we're, whoever says that is friends for life with me when they realize what shirt it is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so you're a fan of Vicky. I, well, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Maggie too, but you know. Uh, the other yeah. shirt, I, I got another shirt. I'll have to post it sometime. And it's just Julia Hoffman's face right in the center of it. There's no explanation. It's just her face on the shirt. And that's that's my second favorite shirt. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Alexander Moltke, you know. <laughs> no, she's great. I, I've even kind of warmed up to the opening narration with her. I, I actually kind of struggled with that a little bit. Yeah, I, I did not. I got a little tired of. My name is Victoria Winters. Mm -hmm. Two evil men have settled. I, I, we know. Yeah, we get it. We got it. <laughs> but I've gotten over that now, and I've kind of warmed to it. And I know that when she leaves the show, somebody else takes over. But, man, I, I, I'm so bummed that she's not part of the show towards the end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How did you get over it? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Kate Jackson is, you know, just around the corner. So, I mean, there's... <laughs> <laughs> you, I got we got that going for us. So, uh. <laughs> when did you first start watching Dark Shadows? I, I was lucky enough to catch when the Sci Fi Channel would would do reruns of it. So, I mean, I like my mom grew up with it, so she's always been the Dark Shadows fan. And would play. She had the LP soundtrack and would play it as a kid. And she was the big one who introduced me to Hammer and stuff. So, Dark Shadows was, was almost always there, and I was lucky enough to grow up with it as the Sci Fi Channel reruns in the late 90s so it's almost like i'm the, i'm the second or third what what is it there was the the original run which is the first generation and then there was another rerun i'm not too familiar with the the timelines but i'm i'm one of the generations that, that caught it as a kid so okay mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good it's, so, it's um, so good i mean it's a soap opera and it's an acquired taste i would say i'm gonna be honest the first time i tried to watch it i didn't like it yeah 
I mean, and uh, I'm, I was I was younger and dumber back then, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I also made the mistake. Well, maybe it's not the mistake. When I first tried to watch it, I watched the first Barnabas episode uh, because I knew Barnabas was you know Dark Shadows was Barnabas Collins. Yes, yes. I'm glad that I went back and started from the beginning because now I'm in love with him. I love Maggie. I love Burke. I mean, yeah, Burke is oh just fan. God, yes. I love Mitchell Ryan as Burke. Mm-hmm. He's just solid. I know he also leaves, but. Man, he's great. And Maggie's fantastic. I love the relationship that Maggie and Joe has before everything kind of goes sour. Yes. You know, I love all that. But, I mean, it is a soap opera. So you do have a couple of actors and actresses kind of rotate out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, you start with one Sam Evans and you get another one a few episodes in yes. that sort of thing. And, and even Burke gets replaced at one point. But even then, it's, it's, it's again, that, that family feel of yep. where it's like, this episode of Dark Shadows, this person will be playing this person. It's like, oh, okay, let's see how we react to them, how the other actors play off of him. Mm-hmm. And of course, I mean... Have you ever done any theater or any... Yeah, I used to act a lot in high school. See, I was a thespian. There so, you yeah. go. There, I mean, that, that's me too. Like, there's almost... Another a, reason why we get along. Yeah. I get you, man. <laughs> Two thespians. <laughs> um, but um, it's almost like that that community theater. Like, let's come together and, and make a show. And it's like, okay, what's going to go wrong this time? What's How are we going to work with this? How are we going to play off of it? And I guess that that's another part of the charm. Sure, sure. What did you think of the... Uh, I guess remake or revival in uh, early nineties. I actually have never never seen the. Oh no no no! I, and it's it's on my to do list, but the, the to do list is very very long. But uh, <laughs> eventually, <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know how I can't. I mean, Jonathan Frid is just you know. I mean, everyone, Maggie. I mean, all the care. I mean, who knows? I might love it. Barbara Steele's in it. I think right. Right. And Dominique loves it. I mean, D- really? Dominique adores it. So, yeah, I, I, I've i never watched it either, so I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know if would, it, would they use the same music. My mom always jokes that 90% of Dark Shadows is listening to the music, that the same music cues over and over again, which, I mean, I love. I, I have it on my iPhone. I listen to it every once in a while. So I don't know if the revival has the same music. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, the Blue Whale only has like two songs <laughs> on its jukebox. Yeah. Ding, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. yeah. <laughs> Well, and a lot of the music cues are used over and over. I got that CD set, that four CD set or whatever it was, and I was so excited. (laughs) And then I listened to it, and I'm realizing they probably put could have put this all on just one disc. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) because which is fine. I mean, that's part of the charm. And again, it's got that dun 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 because it's a soap opera, and they're about to go to commercial. Have you read any of the books or listened to the, any of the uh, audio dramas or anything like that? I can't say that I have. Okay. I have the Almanac or the oh, – yes, okay. that one's fascinating. I mean the amount of time that went into making that. I mean you could – that's like my go-to. Like they talk about all the bloopers in that. They, they have some cast stories. It's, it's a great li- little book. I don't know how old it is. I've had that for a long. I had that since I was a kid. But uh, no, I can't. Have you listened to the audio? I'm sure they're great. I haven't yet. I'm, I'm actually kind of holding off because I, I'm confession time. I'm not all the way through the series. Ah, I still have a little bit to go, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to kind of hold off until I had a chance to finish it all before I go into the audio dramas and the novels because there's like what twelve, fifteen novels that yeah. came out. Oh yeah. What do you think about? Uh, the people who watch the, the movies before they watch the show. Do you think that's that's a good idea? No, we're not talking the Tim Burton. We're talking uh, House of Dark Shadows and Night of Dark Shadows. How dare you bring up the Tim Burton version? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm ending this call right now. No. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> we're still friends. We're still fun. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, House and, and Night. It's like the people, they're like, I don't I don't know if I'm going to watch the series. I'm going to watch the movies first and then I'll start. <gasps> no, you're missing so much. 
I feel like you miss so much if you just go straight to the films. I think the films are interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's cool to see Dan Curtis and some of these people play with a bigger budget. Yes. But you do lose a little bit of that hominess, I feel like. Oh, completely. I think they're, they're vastly different. Th- I mean, I love them. I love them both, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I even like Night of Dark. I think that that's a very underrated film. Very flawed film, but very underrated. But uh, I think they're, they're two, I wouldn't say very different things, but two different animals, the show and, and the films. Yeah. I mean, they're not really, I wouldn't say they're like in continuity with each other. I mean, no. maybe because the series does introduce alternate timelines. So maybe, I don't know. But... No, I, I don't know. I, I don't think you really should start with the films, although they're probably more readily accessible to people. Yes. Or at least they were at one time. Yes, yes. Yeah. The only thing I'll say about the Tim Burton version, I think it's a fun film score by Danny Elfman. I'll give it that. Is it? Is it? It's it's okay. I mean, he's done better, but, you know. I will say it did give me one of the great smiles of my life. Um, and I've had many great smiles in my life. But uh, to see... Jonathan Frid, it's mm-hmm. Catherine Lay Scott, and I think it's Lara Parker, and they come in to the party. They, they have they have the small cameos, and Johnny Depp's like, welcome to Collinwood, and they're like, thank you, and they just walk in. They have two seconds on screen, but I was like, oh, okay, you get you get a little pat on the back for that. Good job. Good work. Some points. Some points. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I struggle whenever somebody does try to do a, a feature film remake of a beloved TV series, and they... You know, sometimes they're successful. Like, I, I guess a lot of people really like the Adams Family films. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I feel like they're not. Like, yeah. Green Hornet. <laughs> um, you know? And I, I mean, one of the trailers at least started off with the idea that this was going to be like a gothic. Mm-hmm. Like, they were going to really do it. And I, if they did it like that, and he, it was very dark, like Sweeney Todd, and they did like a very gothic, you know, take on it and did it legitimately, I think it could have been really great. But I I, just, I disagree with the idea of making it very campy. Yeah, I don't think that was there. I know you kind of get that association with it being a soap opera, you know, kind of campy and silly, whatever. But I don't think that's what you get with Dark Shadows. I, I completely agree because, and people are like, Dark Shadows is so campy. I was like, I don't think it's campy at all. I think, I mean, of course, it's low budget and they're, some of they're overacting but they're really they're they're it's all legitimate like whoever's dying on the show is dying like it's not like oh look he's you know it's not never done i of course people may disagree with me but i don't think it's done tongue-in-cheek it's it's very it's like the hammer films you can people call them campy i was like i i i disagree i i don't think so at all yeah i i don't think they're campy yeah no i mean they're of their time and maybe yes. some of the the styles and and the way things were cut or shot may have changed but i don't think that makes them any less serious gothic stories yes yeah and and dark shadows is gothic through and through even before barnabas shows up oh yeah from the first episode i mean it's solid work the outsider girl coming to the old dark mansion i mean how how gothic do you need to get right right i do struggle that she didn't last till the end I, i feel like that's probably the one thing that if i could go back and change yeah and and could convince her to stick around and the producers to give her what she wanted yes to, to, to have the entry point character not be the character we're with at the end is a little bit of a struggle for me but i get it I yeah mean, i know what the real world was what was going on behind the scenes so i get it yeah yeah i mean in a perfect world we would have that that the full arc but mm-hmm. well at least he got roger you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> roger and elizabeth stoddard you know they, they hang out through the entire oh thing, yes so there's that so and, and david does get better he does. He does. He does. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, 
one of the things that I am totally envious of you is that you've been able to not just meet some of the people from the films that have had a huge impact with you on you, but have actually worked with them and had and developed relationships with them. Have you met anybody or worked with anybody or, or anything like that with anybody from Dark Shadows? I actually have not yet uh but okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> i do have he um I, I can't say that i have so bucket list if there's like three people from the dark shadows oh, family man. that you'd want to to just meet who, who would it be do they have to be alive nope. right now nope. I, nope because i, I know frid's on there yeah. yes i i mean frid frid for sure i would love to meet lewis edmonds as roger speaking of roger i mean he just seems like a Cool guy. Okay, wait. Okay, I can't do just three. I'm gonna have to, you know, make this. Fine. Um, well, how many people were in the cast? Because I want you know. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go through every single one. Um, oh, geez, I'd love to meet Grayson Hall because she just. I mean, she's she. Her career is just fabulous. I mean, she was nominated for an Oscar for Night of the Iguana. I mean, then she plays, you know, Dr. Julia Hoffman on Dark Shadows. I mean, what how, what a crazy career. She would just be someone that would be awesome to talk to. So Frid, Grayson Hall, Lewis Edmonds, and who is the guy? I'm blanking on his name. He's the Irish guy in the first few episodes. Uh, McGuire? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Jason Patrick. Jason Patrick. Yeah, yeah. He, oh. He's delightful. <laughs> yeah, yes. And so delightfully, you know, cringy. And he, he seems like he'd be a lot of fun to talk to. Yeah, but everyone like even I mean, the guy who was in charge of the bat, you know, like it's just like whoever was in. I would <laughs> just love to talk. Like, how was it like on on that set? Who who are you? Who are your three? Man, well, Catherine Lee Scott. Yes. Okay, um, that's in my my five too. I'm. I'm still- yeah, <laughs> I mean she she's awesome, and I mean she's still around. And I think is Mitchell Ryan still with us? I'm not sure. I, I I can't remember. I know Louis Edmonds is not, but he yeah. he was also fantastic. But uh, I also really like Jerry Lacey. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one. I mean, <laughs> if I had the choice to go out to to dinner with any of them, I would I would take that. You know, it's like they they they're all again that that whole family feel. You feel like you know them. Um, mm-hmm. well, if I'm taking somebody out to dinner, it's Catherine Lee Scott. Well, you know, <laughs> but, you know, you know whatever. You know. <laughs> yeah, just gonna mention that. Uh. Just saying. I will say, um, almost on a side note, Martine Beswick did the movie Seizure with Jonathan Frid. So it's uh, oh. that was a nice. I mean, you talk about connections. Like that's my one connection to because she she. I was like, so how was Jonathan Frid? And she's like, oh, he delightful and had a, a cold side and and I mean, he just seems like a fascinating character to to meet. He does. Yeah. There's nobody in the in the series that I'm. Not wanting to hang out with. Exactly. Yeah, that's my. You know. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll even take little eight-year-old David. That's cool. Whatever. However old he was. Like, let's, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do that. Let's go sabotage your your father's car together. Exactly, let's go. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to the the the, the barman at the, the Blue Whale. Like he he must have some stories, you know. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. 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 You know, I know I kind of sprung this on you, so I appreciate you, you taking a few minutes with me. Well, sure. My pleasure. We gush about dark shit like I need to give you an excuse to gush about dark shadows. <laughs> exactly. No reason need. We're talking to a lot of people about dark shadows this month in, in well, this episode of the podcast. And I wanted to get a different perspective because I know Dominique Lamsey's 
has seen the 90s revival as well as the original and and has some fond thoughts about it. And I, I've not watched it yet. So I wanted to get her take on, on the revival, what she thinks of the original and all of that. Dominique, how you doing? Good. I hope everybody out there is doing good, too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, Dark Shadows, uh, you have been a fan for how long? Like, when did you first discover it? I discovered it when I was 11. Wow. Yeah, 11 was pretty much the, the year that set me on the road to hell. I discovered all the things that I love <laughs> now, like Alice Cooper and White Zombie and stuff like that, and Dark Shadows. <laughs> so, that was, uh, how old am I now? Uh, over 20 years ago. Okay. So. When uh, you just, like, was it through TV? Or, well, obviously through TV, it was like sci-fi? or. Well, okay. I had a friend, and she'd been my friend forever, and her mother was obsessed with the original. So news that the revival was coming out came out, and she got excited. And my friend Katrina got excited, and she's like, we got to watch this because, you know, we're prepubescent girls, so we were totally into the vampire thing. So it's got vampires in it, and we got to watch it. So I was like, okay, we got to watch it. And yeah, we loved it. (laughs) So did you start with the revival then? Yes, I did. Um, When the revival came out in 91, unless you could get the videos, at that point it was VHSs that they did the individual, like each VHS had like five episodes on it. You couldn't watch it because it wasn't on any channel at that point. Hmm. When the revival became popular, then they started showing it on the sci-fi channel at like five in the morning. Okay, okay. I guess I hadn't really thought about the fact that it just wasn't out there. I knew there were the VHS tapes were there, but I didn't realize the revival was partly responsible for bringing that back. Huh. Yeah. Because it created new fans. Yeah. Because at that point, really all the original fans had it all already. And there's only so many times you can resell at that point. I mean, nowadays you could market as special Uber platinum edition and get geeks to buy it again, but they didn't do that back then. <laughs> Yeah, don't get any ideas, whoever's got the rights to Dark Shadows, because you know that's what I wanted to <laughs> You mean this has got a special a special episode that's been cleaned up? Yeah, okay, I'll watch the whole set for that. Anyway, <laughs> so when you started with the original, so the original was a soap opera, the revival was a primetime show, wasn't it? It was a primetime soap opera. Okay. Um, um, okay, I don't know how familiar... The, the Monster Kid audience is going to be, but kind of in the 80s and into the early 90s, what they did was the primetime soap operas, things like Knott's Landing and Falcon's Crest and most famously Dynasty, where it was basically just a soap opera, but it was an hour-long format, and because they showed it at night, it could be a lot more racy. And that's where Dark Shadows comes in, because the revival of Dark Shadows was considerably more racy, and there was lots of boobs and blood that they pretty much wanted to show in the original, but they couldn't get away with. And well, and this is also no pun intended prime time for a lot of vampire media. I mean, vampires were pretty hot for a long time in the late eighties, early nineties, mid nineties. And I mean, I guess they've never really gone away. Yeah. Uh, White wolf mm-hmm. vampire, the masquerade. Cause that popped up in 91 as well. Oh, and then everyone was like, Hey, vampires sell. Yeah, when did Anne Rice kind of become a thing? Was that before or after? I don't know my history um, there. Interview with a Vampire was like 75, Oh, I really? Mid-70s, yeah. Um, I think Lestat was sometime in the 80s. And then like Queen of the Dam was in the late 80s, I think. Okay, and then the film's obviously much later, and that I yeah. think was part of it too. Huh. Yeah. 
Interesting. Okay. Okay. When you went from Revival to the original series, was there I mean, was that an easy transition for you? It was a weird transition. Um, if you notice, if you watch the Revival, the thing about the Revival, and one of the reasons I think it actually kind of didn't work, is that there's a weird, old-fashioned 60s mentality to it. Things like, oh, we're a man and a woman. We can't be left alone together. And this is in 91, and you're like, what? So in in that kind of, in the in the way the characters interacted with each other and like the social norms, it was actually the same. Um, the revival, for those of you who haven't seen it, the revival is basically takes the original Barnabas introduction plot line and mainstreams it. Okay, I'm just going to spoil it for everybody. Basically, um, like in the original show, what happens is that Barnabas comes back and he's a vampire. And Maggie Evans is the reincarnation of uh, Josette Collins. And he falls in love with her. And then that whole thing gets screwed up. And then he sets his sights on Vicky, Victoria Winters. Well, in the revival, Victoria Winters is Josette Dupre. And there's 12 episodes of the revival before it ended up getting canceled. And those 12 episodes go through the entire introduction of Barnabas and um, 1791 plotline. All of it in 12 episodes. Wow. And people thought the House of Dark Shadows movie moved along at a quick pace. It seems like they crammed a lot into 12 hours. They did. But what they also did was cut out a lot of random stuff. We don't have as quite as much with the family. So all the stuff like um, Burke Devlin is gone. All the stuff with Jason McGuire is gone, which I'm thankful for. Because, I mean, Dennis Patrick plays him really well, but that guy just bugs me to no end. I hate that character. <laughs> so good job to him. But I think yeah, you're supposed to, but yeah, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and like we do lose some things. Like I actually like the character of Willie Loomis better in the original because he, he was – he was kind of a bad dude, mm-hmm. and then he f- ends up basically kind of philosophically getting his comeuppance when he meets up with Barnabas, and suddenly there's a worse dude, and he has to kind of attempt to redeem himself by protecting all these other people, whereas in the revival, Willie Loomis is just kind of dumb. Okay. That's all. Okay. And it takes away some of it, because um, I'm re-watching it now on Decades, because they show it every night, and there's things like Willie is trying to protect everybody from Barnabas, but because of his criminal past, everybody's just assuming that he's the bad guy who's doing all the stuff. And there's that extra layer of it, which which protects Barnabas, Jason McGuire, where he's like, you're doing all this bad stuff, stop doing all this bad stuff. And Willie's trying to explain to him, I'm not doing the bad stuff, so I can't stop doing the bad stuff. And there's that extra layer that I think the revival could have used, but they just cut it out. Okay. To move things along. Were there characters in the revival that you think worked better than their original counterpart? Um. Okay. Dr. Hoffman. You knew I was going to bring I, that I up. knew. And I'm glad. I mean, I, I led you there on purpose, so. Because the character, I do love the lady who played it in the original, and her name is escaping me for whatever reason. Grayson Hall. Grayson Hall, yes. Mm-hmm. I love her. Mm-hmm. I think she did a very good job, but that is one thing that they actually updated. Because in the Barbara Steele, Dr. Hoffman is actually much more of a scientist. And she like says science things and does science things. So she, we get this idea that she's a lot more competent um, than Grayson Hall was. Also... 
she is just, I don't know if it's by virtue of how it was written. I think a lot of it comes down to how Barbara Steele was playing it, that she is just a tougher character. And in the revival, she does, her character does fall in love with Barnabas, but it's, it's almost a little jarring because you don't expect her to because she's just been so, so tough and not that kind of person up until the point where it actually happens. It feels like they made it happen because they had to make it happen, if you know what I mean. Sure. Okay. And listeners, I, I knew, because Dominique and I have talked, especially uh, at, at the Lovecraft Film Festival last year when Barbara Steele was uh, in town uh, there, and we spoke about you know, your reaction to her being there and all that. So I knew. I, I led you there on purpose. Yeah. For those of you who didn't hear the episode, um, I got the chance to meet her two years ago at the Lovecraft Film Festival, and I got up to talk to her uh, about Dark Shadows, because as an 11-year-old girl who's a horror fan... It's a big deal when you find a character who's female and actually tough and not just running around in the forest in her underwear, breaking a heel and dying. So it, it had a big effect on me. And when I tried to explain that to her, I started crying and ran away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to bring that up because I didn't want to make you relive that trauma. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah I, I end up crying every time I talk to Victoria Price. So yeah, for, yeah. for other reasons, but I understand. Yeah. Everybody else, though, you think the original, you prefer them? Okay. For Angelique, because uh-huh. Angelique is the biggie for me. From the time I watched it until now, Angelique is my favorite character. She's always going to be my favorite character, and she's always lurking at the back of my head whenever I write anything, anything like that. She's always there. She's one of those characters for me. Okay. For me, it's actually a 50-50 split because I really, really, really like Lisette Anthony. I really like her. I think Lara Parker, Mm -hmm. um, she got more of a chance to do more with the character, which I think Lisette Anthony would have been really good with. But just by virtue of the fact that she actually got to play the character out more, I I can't ignore that as her being great as Angelique. Okay. And I'm assuming the writing style is very different. Uh, I mean, you mentioned some of the restrictions, but I mean, we're on primetime television. We're an hour long. We don't have to recap everything every week, that sort of thing, which might be how they crammed so much in. I- I'm guessing. I don't know. I haven't watched the, the revival, so I don't know. I do think that is a large part of it because, yeah, you don't have to waste five minutes of, thir- of what, 28 minutes recapping everything. Right. So, yeah, I do think that helped them a lot. Also, I think a lot of what they did when they did the revival was they sat down and they looked at what did people really respond to in the original run? Mm. What were the things that people liked? Cause I actually think people liked Barnabas and Victorian winters, that whole thing more than they liked the Barnabas and the Josette or uh, Maggie Evans. Mm-hmm. I think they like that better. Cause I always hear people talking like older fans when they're talking about the original show, they're talking about Barnabas and Victoria. They're not talking about Barnabas and Maggie. And I think that that helped them streamline it. Like this is what people like. So we're just going straight with this. Okay. I'm, and I talked about this with Jeff uh, when we talked about the movie, I'm bummed that Burke Devlin seems to have gotten a raw deal in every other dark shadows incarnation, save for the audio dramas that big finish is doing. I, mm-hmm. I love that character so much. <laughs> So no Burke in the revival? No. Ah. That's not to say they wouldn't have introduced him later. They could have. But I think with the revival, they were really focusing on the supernatural stuff. Mm -hmm. And his plot line was in no way, shape, or form supernatural. So he probably just would have 
not appeared. So speaking of which, then, when you went back to watch the original, did you start with the non-supernatural very, very beginning or did you start with Barnabas? I started with Barnabas because it was actually almost impossible to find the pre-Barnabas episodes until like 1995 or something like that. Okay. It wasn't even a thought in their head to release those. Nobody cared. They wanted the Barnabas stuff and that was it. Okay. So when you finally saw it pre-Barnabas, what did you think? It, it, it was okay. I think it set things up nicely, like the background actual family stuff. But as, as a person who is just a fan of supernatural stuff, it was just like, meh. Where's my dead people? <laughs> do, you, do you have that on a t-shirt yet? Because that is so you. <laughs> I know I should, yeah. <laughs> it's too bad yeah. this episode's going out after Christmas because listeners, that's the Christmas present for Dominique. <laughs> Where are my dead people at? <laughs> Where are my dead people at? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Now <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. Um you're you're not wrong. That's yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so um I'm not going to make a comment about how Lisette Anthony was also in Dracula Dead and Loving It, which is your favorite Mel Brooks movie. Um, I didn't say it was my favorite. I said it was good. Okay. 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 Anyway. Not as good as Young Frankenstein. Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not, no, there's no judgment here. No judgment here. Okay. <laughs> I'm detecting the note of judgment, no, but okay. No, I'm trying to be a lot better about that, even though I'm probably going to giggle like that when we finally sit down to talk about Creeping Terror with Chris. Um <laughs> focus dark shadows dark shadows <laughs> the same composer did the music i'm assuming i think right it was colbert or colbert however you pronounce it same guy um i think so but yeah it was cleaned up considerably but it still got that same intro theme i'm assuming yes okay it's a little more developed it's a little more orchestral it's not as much actually i don't know that there's any theremin in it well there might be a tiny bit of theremin it also has a definite end oh because you know how the end credits, they play it over and over and over again, and it yeah. just kind of stops, but they actually end it. It's <laughs> frankly not a very good ending, but it does actually have oh, an end. okay. The the music box, they cleaned up the music box music too, and I actually like the music box better in the revival. I've not listened to a lot of the music from the revival just because I, I haven't watched the series yet, and I want to try to come <laughs> into it as fresh as I can when I finally get to that point. But I would imagine he had a little bit more money <laughs> to hire. Yes. You know, uh, maybe not a full orchestra, but, you know, more than just a handful of people in a room somewhere for a soap opera. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely tell that. Yeah, that's, that's my, my, my guess. I am real curious about it. I was working at uh, a store called Real Collections when they started coming out on VHS, the revival. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting it, and uh, for listeners who don't know, Real Collections was kind of like a Suncoast, but owned by the company that was competing with Suncoast and Musicland at the time. So it was like like that, so nothing but movies and a few pieces of movie art and memorabilia. That's well, not even memorabilia, but collectibles. Posters and Posters, crap like that. script books pewter figures of Star Wars characters, things like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, because I was the genre guy, I was the horror guy, they let me organize the horror section. And I remember seeing these videotapes and trying to figure out where I'm going to put them on the shelf when it came to the Dark Shadows, the original videotapes that were coming out. And just staring at them for a long time because I, I thought the vampires looked so different 
from each other. And, and I had a hard time reconciling in my brain. And I knew, you know, this is new. This is a different series, whatever. I just felt like, man, that's, that guy just looks so different than the original guy. And people love the original guy, right? What did you think of Ben Cross? I love Ben Cross. Okay. I loved him. I thought he was great. Has he done anything else that, that I would know? Dude, he was in one of the King Arthur movies. I want to say first night he was Mordred. He was Spock's father in the, the new Star Trek movie, the first one. Oh. He was Spock's father. Okay. And he was he was the one who was married to Winona Ryder. And he's done a lot of little stuff like that. He still works. I, I haven't looked, but I'm guessing he does mostly stage stuff. Because I think he's one of those, like, Jonathan Frid stage Shakespearean trained actors. Yeah, you can kind of tell by the way he talks and the way he carries himself. Because I think they pretty much had to have a character like that for Barnabas. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's been around. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not familiar with him. I mean, and, and the same with a lot of the actors from the original as well. I mean, I knew who Mitchell Ryan was. I recognized him. And I, I recognized the guy who adopted Punky Brewster in a couple of episodes. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's a bartender in two episodes. One's in black and white, one's in color. Um, I recognized him because I had a crush on Punky Brewster when I was a kid. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't Punky Brewster. Excuse me. No, it was the guy who adopted uh, Gary Coleman. It was Different Strokes Dad. Moving on. Oh, that guy. Yeah, okay. moving on. Man, maybe I just got Punky Brewster on the brain for some reason or other. That's going to get weird. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's learn about Derek. Yeah, right? This is no longer the Dark Shadows Roundtable. This is delving into Derek's childhood and trying to figure out what's wrong with him. <laughs> Which we don't have time for. Uh, (laughs) So Barbara Steele was in the revival. Uh, Any other big names in the revival? And was Barbara Steele even a big name at that point? I mean, I I guess in the genre she was, but. I think she was just in genre stuff. Um, Well, okay. Joan Bennett was Elizabeth Collins' daughter. She's kind of a big deal. Well, I mean, in the revival. I mean, in the revival. Yeah. Oh, Okay, hold on. Let me look up. Because the the one who played Elizabeth in the revival, she was a big deal, too. She was somebody famous. Hold oh, on. okay. She was somebody famous. Gene Simmons, yeah. Okay. Because she, she did a bunch of movies. She was a starlet, I believe. Okay. Roy Thinnes, who was, like, everywhere in the 70s and early 80s, who did all kinds of TV and all kinds of weird little movies that few people have heard of. Um, he was in uh, General Hospital for a long time. Okay. Uh, Joanna Going was in a bunch of westerns. Okay. And yeah, Highlander fans. <laughs> Highlander fans. Because I actually had, had seen, I think I'd seen a bunch of Highlander before I saw Dark Shadows. Okay. So I was like, oh my God, it's Duncan McCloud. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> I, I never watched an episode of the Highlander TV series, so I don't know. It was pretty cool. I, mean, I, I liked it. I, I knew who he was. He yeah. was about it, so. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Here I am. Okay. The most exciting podcasting is when the hosts just are reading the IMDb or Wikipedia <laughs> to each other, but that's what I'm doing right now. Um, yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt was David. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. Talk about moving up in the world. A totally different vibe than the guy that <laughs> from the he series. Currently is, yeah. Oh my goodness. Or even, yeah, even now. Holy cow. I'm trying yeah. to imagine comparing his performance as David to the original David. Because the original David, I did not like him for a long time. Okay. Actually, going back to talking about the writing, mm-hmm. that actually was a weak point. Okay. The David in the in the original series was a lot better written. If you disliked him, you disliked him for a reason. He was just kind of a spoiled little brat kid mm-hmm. 
who was obnoxious and rich and didn't have any grasp of reality. In the revival, that kid is stupid. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, offensively, shockingly stupid. He is so poorly written. And it's not even like, oh, the kid's just, like, something's wrong with him or something. It's like, no, the kid is just, like, badly written stupid. Like, it is shocking how dumb that kid is. And then he's still alive. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Hardcore stupid. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so so you prefer the original David. Got it. Yes. Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> who, who, again, like I said, he bugged the hell out of me at the beginning of the series. He, he's grown into the role, you know, and he kind of got better. But, man, at the beginning, I just really struggled with that character. And I feel like a lot of the characters in the original I really struggled with at the beginning as they were trying to figure out who they were, like Carolyn. Yeah, yeah, Carolyn was super annoying. Oh, man. So, just I struggle with whatever her motivations are, if she has any, um, other than floating from man to man and being upset if one that she's already spurned is burning her now. It just feels... Mm. And you made a comment to me in conversation, yep, the writers were men, <laughs> about yeah. about her character quite a bit. And uh, yeah. I, I can't help but agree. Now, does that character turn up in the revival? Yeah. There is a Carolyn in the revival? Okay. Yeah. They okay. definitely, definitely play up the sex pot part of it. Hmm. I really didn't like her in the revival. Okay. Because she was, it just seemed like in the, in the original, she was kind of simpering and annoying. See, what I... I really didn't like the character and I just kind of didn't get it. And there was all this like, Oh, you know, yeah, she's written by men, but I started reading the novels that Lara Parker wrote. Okay. The first one, the Salem branch where she talks about the actual family and she does this beautiful job that they didn't really do in the original series of talking about the characters and why they are like they are. And she has these magnificent descriptions of like Elizabeth Stoddard. She, she always describes her in terms of like ancient Roman patricians wives. So she's trying very hard to be perfect and act like she has power and she, her, her hair is perfect and her makeup is perfect. But at the edges of her makeup, because of her wrinkles, you can see the lipstick like soaking in. To reveal the fact that she's kind of broken and she's kind of cracked and it's all a it's all a, a show. And she talks about Carolyn, who is again this this simpering little nothing who has no direction in life, but it's because no one's let her have direction in life. She's supposed to be this pretty rich girl who's the daughter of this powerful family who does what's good for the family, which should have been marrying some other rich guy and having parties, but because the family is so screwed up, they never did that for her, so she has no purpose in life in the family, so she feels like she has no purpose in life in the family, so she's never gone out and found it. It was actually a r really well done. Wow. For, I mean, for anyone who's interested, she's done, I think, Lara Parker has written, I think, four Dark Shadows novels. And I've only read the first two. The other two are sitting in my pile right now. But the first two are really, really, really good. She is actually a very good writer. Huh. Is there a storyline from the original that you wish they brought to the revival? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The head in the box. <laughs> Judah Zachary. That was my favorite plot line because I'm, 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 I'm a sucker for heads and boxes. Like any story that's about a head in a box, I'm all in on. So, yeah, I totally wanted them to do that. Um, <laughs> also, I'm a period person also, and I love all the flashbacky stuff. So I would have loved to have had them do 
1844 parallel plotline, oh. which brought in Aristide. And it had Grayson Hall playing the Gypsy Magda because the Gypsy plotline was just amazing. And I'm madly in love with Michael Stoka, basically because he kind of looked like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> but he was so good at being so sinister and scary. And like they, they introduced him in the 1844 plotline and they were the, they were just like, no, this guy's too good. And they brought him into like every plotline afterwards. It was great. I love Michael Stroka. Doesn't that happen, though, with a lot of the characters that turned up on Dark Shadows that became big deals? I mean, Barnabas wasn't originally intended to be as big of yeah. a part of the show as he was, and, and a handful of others, too. I think Quentin wasn't supposed to be permanent, either. Mm-hmm. But the head in the box. You wish they had done that in the 90s. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's like the dead people thing. That's pretty much standard for me. Just do the head in the box. Do something with the head in the box, and I'm happy. <laughs> Where are my dead people at? Okay. Uh, Where are my dead people at? Where are my heads and boxes at? <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm loving my Dark Shadows journey. I'm not done with the original run yet. I, I'm well into the color stuff now, and I'm digging it, and I'm enjoying it so much. I, I come around to the soap opera way of doing things, and, man, when the show went color, oh, it's gorgeous. Although I like the black and white, too. It's just great. Do you think I should wait until I get done with the original run before I dive into the revival? Um. Okay, what plot line are you at now? Oh, uh, they've started doing werewolf stuff. Okay, don't worry about it then. You can start it and start the revival anytime. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it won't. Really, you just needed to get through kind of the core flashback, mm-hmm. Angelique Barnabas vampire stuff. Okay. Because that's all they got to. Okay. Although they did do a massive, major, huge twist on it. I'm not going to say, but ex- expect something different from how the revival ended it. Okay. Like, massively different. Okay. Like, what are you thinking different? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I then. Seriously, I, that's one of the things that actually kills me about the revival ending, because it's like, what were you guys doing? I can't believe you did that. I want to know what happens next. So the revival ended, poor ratings, and I think you told me uh, Desert Storm. Yeah, mess it with kept the getting uh, preempted for war coverage. Which makes it really difficult to follow a show. I mean, obviously, yeah. news in the world, is, the real world is more important, but especially something like that. But I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think they could have gone on? Did they have the, the audience or the, the momentum going if they didn't have to deal with being bumped all the time? Okay, the audience, I can't say, because I seem to recall that new people joined on, but not as many as the first time around. I think story-wise, they had the momentum going. Okay. I think they could have they could have done it. Well, I will track it down and see if I can get it on uh, disc or, or one of the various streaming services and, and start diving into that. You know, I have already kind of screwed up my order of doing things anyway because I watched House of Dark Shadows already. So, <laughs> <you know. laughs> um, And then when should I watch the Tim Burton film? Never. <laughs> you should find all the copies of that you can. And bring them to my house, and we'll make a big pile in the backyard, and we'll burn it, and I'll dance around it. Oh, wow. Not not a fan. No. Did you watch it? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. So am I. Oh. See, I, I haven't seen it, but I had no interest in it. Even before I started getting into Dark Shadows, I just, I knew Dark Shadows was not camp. and nope. And I feel like Tim Burton can't seem to get away from that now. No, he cannot. And, and I don't know if it's some sort of unhealthy relationship he and Johnny Depp have with each other, and they just can't help themselves when they get together, but there's just something there that 
I don't know. But yeah, I just had no interest. Did they redo any particular storyline for the film or did they just do their own thing? It was... Okay. They did the Barnabas vampire stuff. Mm -hmm. They did the werewolf stuff, but they did it in a really weird way. And because it doesn't involve Quentin, but they're still still werewolves. Okay. And... Oh my God. Okay. Because part of it for me was that Seth Graham Green wrote it. Mm. And yeah. And for me, that's guys like, no, no. Cause he thinks he's funny and people think he's funny. And I'm sorry to listeners. If they think he's funny, I do not think he's funny at all. I do not like his sense of humor and it's yeah, no, it's just, no, it didn't work. It didn't work. And especially because they introduced the perfect setup to even have like a, a hint of Laura, the Phoenix and nothing like mm, perfect. Really? Like, you guys are morons that you missed this. But they missed it. Okay. So, yeah. There's no Laura in the revival. I mean, because that was all pre-Barnabas. She is not there. Her presence is felt. They were setting it up. Oh. She was She was going to be. There was a lot of little things happening with David and Roger that were, she was coming. Oh, wow. Yeah. That would have been neat to see. I mean, I'm not having seen the revival. I'm just imagining the original characters. But to have Barnabas and Laura go against each other would be really cool. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Oh, man. Barnabas is at his best when he's going against somebody. And, man, that would have been, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm all goosebumply. <laughs> so yeah. I've recorded with Dominique a lot longer than I really intended to, which I don't mind at all because I love chatting with her, especially about something that we love. This is going to make the Dark Shadows episode huge, which is okay. It's the last episode of the year. <laughs> so that's fine. Is there anything else that, that you think we should mention about Dark Shadows or your obsession with Dark Shadows? Okay. There's one thing I want to say okay. about the movie Night of Dark Shadows because I know that there's a lot of discussion about it. I happen to feel that it is the perfect love letter for all Dark Shadows fans everywhere. Oh. And it was written, I think, I don't know if it was intentional, but it ended up being written with fans in mind, I think, in a really unexpected way. Expect a blog post about that from me in the not-too-distant future. Okay, so I asked Jeff, uh, because of the movie we did, uh, and he said it is not a direct continuation to House of Dark Shadows. It's just another Dark Shadows story, is that? Correct. Okay. It's basically another plot line that they just could have inserted into. Okay show and no barnabas in this one no this one is heavily heavily angelique based okay so you'd recommend it then yes oh that's an emphatic yes yes <laughs> all right all right well i'll, I'll put it on the list you know because i don't have enough on that list um <laughs> the movie poster's cool i'll give it that yeah and the costuming in that one is great laura parker is just beautiful they have her in perfect costumes oh the yeah this is a period piece isn't it Yep. Okay. Well, partially. Partially. Okay. And okay. Then as soon as you said costuming, it's like, oh, okay. Well, there's the connection. That's the end for Dominique because you love the the good, and so do I. I mean, the costuming is amazing. Yeah. So sweet. Cool. All right. Thanks for doing this. Kind of spur of the moment and, and everything. Thanks I appreciate for it. Me. Yeah. Dominique's awesome, people. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna end that right there. That's awesome. <laughs> No, you're like seriously one of my favorite people. So thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thanks everybody for listening. Have happy holidays if this goes out before that. Um, no. Okay, then never mind. <laughs> so never mind. <laughs> Screw your holidays. <laughs> hey, weirdos. Yeah.
<laughs> Bring a fiend to a night of terror. But wait until the dead of night. And from behind the tombstone, maybe you will see... The man and monster. And he is usually with... The bloody vampire. It's time for terror. If you see this, you will see an unspeakable horror that terrorizes the universe. You and your fiend can make it a foursome when you meet the man and monster and the bloody vampire. Terror strikes. As the Obi Man brings doom to a city of beautiful girls, naked evil plus the gorilla gang, it's a new high and screaming terror on your local theater screen for the year's top terror horror hits. Be sure to see Naked Evil and the Gorilla Gang now. Program rated R. <laughs> <laughs> Huge thanks to everybody who was involved in the Dark Shadows conversations that we had here on the show, and thanks to everybody for being so patient in my delivering it to you. Check out classichorrors.club to get to the Classic Horrors website to check out what Jeff Owens is up to, and of course you'll find a link to their podcast as well. You can find out more about Gooey Films by just looking up Gooey Films at the Internet Movie Database, or you can go to their YouTube page to see all the trailers, or you can look up Joshua Kennedy, Man of the Arts, on Facebook. You can find him there. I know Steve Turk's got something in the works. Not quite ready to announce that yet, or at least it's not my announcement to make, but stay tuned. You'll be hearing something from him in the near future. And then, of course, Dominique has her website at the University of the Bazaar, which you can find at the University of the Bazaar.wordpress.com. And from there, you can find a link to her Etsy store, The House of Silent Graves, where she sells everything from pillows to tinglers. Go check it out. The best place to keep up with what Frank Schildener is up to is through his author page over at Amazon. I'll make sure there's a link to that. His newest book is Irma Vep and the Great Brain of Mars. I'm not 100% sure if that's available yet, but it will be coming soon. He is well represented in the Monster Kid Radio gift guide that came out at the end of last year. And there's just a lot of great stuff available from Frank. He's an awesome guy who produces some awesome fiction. So go check that out. Thanks again, everybody. <laughs> So that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Hope you enjoyed it. Slightly different format without all the trailers and such, but you know what? I wanted to focus mostly on Dark Shadows, so there you go. I hope you enjoyed it. And check this out. We even had a call-in. So here's Micah Harris sharing his Dark Shadows thoughts. Hi, Derek. This is Micah S. Harris. I'm glad to have an opportunity to make a little contribution to Dan Simber, even if it's January now. By the time this airs, but uh, I was one of those kids of whom there are legion who grew up running home after school to see Dark Shadows in those days of no VCRs and uh, four or five TV channels, and school was out at three, I believe, and Dark Shadows on at 3.30, and uh, it was quite a little hike. We, I could walk to school, but it wasn't just down the road. It was several, several blocks. And, but we would hurry back, you know, to get there in time to see what was going on with the Collins crowd. Uh, at that time, 
when I was able to start watching it, the uh, Leviathan storyline had just gotten going. And uh, I know that's sort of a maligned, I think, unjustly so storyline by a lot of fans. Uh, but it was really kind of where it was at at that time in the 60s and 70s horror, the Leviathan storyline. They had a whole Rosemary's Baby vibe going and uh, then there was the uh, the Lovecraftian elements to it that were interesting. Uh, for once, the writing staff wasn't cribbing from 19th century uh, lore. Uh, they got a little closer in time to Lovecraft and, uh, like I said, the whole sort of satanic vibe of Rosemary's Baby. And uh, that, that storyline had much, uh, I think, to recommend in it. Uh, and, and re-watching it. Unfortunately, when I was a kid, we stopped being able to pick up Dark Shadows before the storyline was even over. And so it was like 20 years later that I was finally able to watch uh, how it turned out when the Sci-Fi Channel was rerunning things, uh, Dark Shadows, back in their days when they were still a good channel. And uh, I do have to say, I, I do think it's rather funny that uh, for some reason, the Collins family had this ancient Lovecraftian race altar on their property that had to have been there, you know, prehistory, sitting on their lawn, and nobody has ever noticed it. You just wonder where there's some hedges grown over it, and they do a little trimming, and there's a antediluvian race artifact. Uh, what do you know? It's just a Another wacky day on the Collins family property. Uh, as I mentioned to you, I was such a fan, I named my cat Barnabas after Barnabas Collins. And uh, also, I had a, uh, a story that sort of dovetailed with your guest host, Jeff Owens, about uh, the scene in House of Dark Shadows where he couldn't take it anymore, where Barnabas uh, aged and asked his aunt to leave with him. I had a young friend, about 9 or 10 years old, who was there. Uh, he didn't ask to leave. Apparently, when Barnabas chain, changed into an old man, he got up and ran out of the theater. That movie's pretty uh, got some pretty horrific stuff in it uh, for adults as well as children, I think. I think it is an outstanding vampire film on its own, pretty unique uh, in, it, in its take. And I also think that some of that publicity stuff, like come see how the vampires do it, uh, around the same time, uh, Dracula's Risen from the Grave uh, has lines like, you can't keep a good man down, and a poster with a woman with two band-aids over her neck, and kind of part of the whole camp sensibility. You know, this is the time of the Adam West Batman thing and, and all that, and the young people, young generation, baby boomer stuff going on, hippies and all. So, uh, you know, you get some of that zeitgeist for the publicity, but... Uh, but anyway, it is an outstanding film. Uh, I just recently revisited the 90s series, and uh, it was wonderful, very enjoyable. Sorry that it was not able to continue, but uh, once you finish your runs of the originals, I highly recommend you check that out. Anyway, have a happy new year. Congratulations on your 400th episode, and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. Micah Harris is another author who has an author page over at Amazon. If you're going to look him up, though, make sure you look up Micah S. 
Harris because that's how his author page comes up. There's another Micah Harris who is not nearly the cool monster kid that this Micah is. And Micah's got some good stuff too. He's got a short story in the anthology that came out around October of last year, Dorian Gray, Darker Shades, all short stories about Dorian Gray and the picture of Dorian Gray. Going to be really cool. I haven't read that yet, but I mean, the, the talent list on that. It's amazing. I mean, Pete Rollick's on the mix, too. So, I mean, you got Pete, you got Micah. Anyway, check that out. Check out all of his work as well. And as always, if you have any communication with anybody that you've heard here on the show, up to and including the Satan's Pilgrims, let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. Let's talk about what's coming up next week. So, next week is episode 402. We're back on a regular weekly schedule. And I've got so much in the virtual can that I need to get out to you guys and gals. I've recorded episodes with some familiar voices and some new people. And I even got recordings from a convention that I went to last year that I never put out. So that's what you're going to get next week. We are going to go back in time to the beginning of October 2018 when I bring to you some audio that I recorded at the HP Lovecraft Film Festival and Cthulhu Con. Now, Chris McMillan, Dominique Lamsey's, and I were on a panel with a few other folks, and we're going to play that recording. Plus, there was just kind of a little rap session that Dominique, Chris, and I had at one point in the festival, and David Heath joined us. So you're going to hear that next week as well. It's going to be a good time. It's a fun conversation, and the panel was awesome. It was Chris's idea to put that panel together, and I thought it turned out pretty well. And speaking of Chris, hey, man, I got your back, brother. If you want to connect with the show, drop us a line. Email us at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or call us and leave us a voicemail. Our voicemail line is 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. Of course, this is all available on our website at monsterkidradio.net. Go check that out or you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. And here within the next few weeks, at least by the end of the month, I plan on having the YouTube channel active again. You're going to see some videos coming out. So check that out as well. If you haven't already done so, head over to Monster Kid Radio's YouTube page at youtube.com slash monsterkidradio and subscribe and maybe start watching a bunch of the videos. I need to get a thousand subscribers in order to start participating in their AdSense program and you know that'll help Monster Kid Radio out in the long run. Really appreciate your support. Until next week, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that does not apply to the awesome song Taco Truck, which you can find over at satanspilgrims.bandcamp.com. It's on their EP, Taco Truck, and I think it's pronounced Nikani. I should know that because it's named after an Oregon mountain. So I, and I think there's even a city as well, but just look up taco truck. You're going to find it. Check out the song and let them know that monster kid radio sent you. My name is Derek M cook. Talk to everybody next week. Ciao. (laughs) 